systems temporarily down. Oh, terrific. How long until it's back up? Unable to determine. Repeating. Long-range communication system temporarily down. Oh, Griffin. What's next? With a curse, Mara Jade shut the terminal off. The whole universe seemed to be against her tonight. She picked up the data pad she'd been reading earlier, put it down again, and stood back up. It was late. She'd already fallen asleep once at her desk, and if she had any sense, she would just give it up and go to bed. Stepping across to the window, she leaned against the carved wooden frame and gazed out at the city lights stretching halfway to infinity and tried to think. No, it was impossible. Impossible, absurd, and unthinkable. Gamma Solo could waste as much breath as she wanted spinning these clever speculations of hers. After five years of living with this thing, Mara ought to know her own thoughts and feelings. Ought to know what was real and what wasn't. And yet, the image of the dream rose up before her. The Emperor gazing at her with bitter intensity as Vader and Skywalker closed in on him. The unspoken but tangible accusation in those yellow eyes. That it was her failure to take care of Skywalker and Jabba the Hutt's hideout that had caused this. The flood of powerless rage as the two lightsabers were lifted over him. That final cry ringing forever through her head. For a long time, she just stood there, listening to the rapid thudding of her heartbeat in her ears, the conflicting thoughts chasing each other around her mind. Certainly the Emperor would have wanted Skywalker dead, but Organa Solo was still wrong. She had to be. It was Mara herself who wanted to kill Luke Skywalker, not some ghost from the past. Half an hour past midnight. Lost in her thoughts, Mara hadn't realized it had gotten that late and all of this wasn't accomplishing anything anyway. She might as well go to bed and try to put the whole thing out of her mind long enough to get some sleep. With a sigh, she pushed away from the window and froze. Deep in the back of her mind, the quiet alarm bell had just gone off. Somewhere nearby, there was danger. She slid her tiny blaster out of its forearm holster, listening hard, nothing. Glancing back once at the window, Wondering briefly if anyone was watching her through the privacy laminate, she moved silently to the door. She listened again. For a moment there was nothing. Then almost inaudible through the thick wood, she heard the sound of approaching footsteps. Footsteps with the kind of quiet but purposeful stride that she had always associated with combat professionals. She tensed, but the footsteps passed her door without pausing, fading away toward the far end of the hallway. She waited to a count of ten to let them get a good lead on her. Then carefully, she opened her door and looked out. There were four of them, dressed in the uniforms of palace security, walking in a bent diamond formation. Mara started after them, fatigue gone in a surge of adrenaline. The bent diamond formation, the obvious caution, the hand signal, and her own premonition of danger. They all pointed to the same conclusion. Imperial intelligence had penetrated the palace. She turned back toward her desk, stopped short with a quiet curse. One of the first tasks the team would have carried out would have been to get into the palace's computer and comm systems. 
Any attempt to sound the alarm would probably be intercepted and would certainly tip them off. Which meant that if they were going to be stopped, she was going to have to do it herself. Gripping her blaster tight, she slipped out of her room and headed after them. She'd made it to the corner and was just easing forward for a careful look when she heard the quiet click of a blaster safety behind her. <gasps> all right, Jade. Nice and easy. It's all over. guest room filled with tall ales and taller tales. Join a group of grown men intent on discussing the intricacies of fantasy and science fiction. Tim Gilbert Media presents... Hello, all you fans of 1960s cult leaders whose graying skin and yellow-eyed off-putting demeanor doesn't deter beautiful women from being drawn to them like flies to shisa. This is the Dungeons and Dweebs Podcast, episode 29, The Last Command, part one. I'm your host, Bob, and did you ever get the feeling that the Emperor and his hands were reminiscent of Charles Manson and the Manson family? I can see the fiery red-headed Mara Squeaky Jade getting her last order from the Emperor's spirit. <laughs> Helter Skelter. But I'm not alone. Across the table from me, he's ready to talk long, long, long on this savory truffle of a book. But will he say his narrative is better than wild honey pie? Or will it stink worse than a glass onion? It's Luke. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Dungeons and Dweebs podcast. Here we are. The final book. The uh, final book. Yes. The final book. That's it. We're done. <laughs> See you later. It's over. It is the last we command. We episode 30. Yeah. <laughs> that was our quota. All right. But yeah, hey, we're just going to kick things off here. Jump into this book. And start talking Star Wars. Yeah. And across the internet from me, <laughs> it's Claude. Oh, greetings, my young apprentices from around the globe. Your old Uncle Claude is what it had one hoth of a weekend. Mara Jade's been sick, and let me tell you, diarrhea is nothing to shake a gaffy stick at. Oof. My backyard looks like that stupid salt planet after the speeders and walkers disturbed that pristine white. <laughs> looks like the snow's been painted with a power stainer. We're working past the doggy di diarrhea, but it's been a bad four days. Hence why Uncle Klopp isn't even in studio today. I'm actually being beamed in from across the galaxy. Not across the table from me, and I don't know what he looks like today because I'm not in the studio. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with the weirdo wizard to my fighter, the Danielson to my Mr. Miyagi, the Ellie to my Joel. No, wait, that's weird. Uh, Neil. How's it going in the pseudo studio today? Ah, thank you for the intro, Clob. Next card. <laughs> I haven't heard that since your last dorky intro. Next card. Especially because Luke shuffled the cards on me before starting. Next. Don't act innocent, Bob. You do the same thing. Pause for a defense. Next. 
Hopefully the audience will appreciate the effort and next card. Luke is helping me with my intro skills and holding cue cards. Next. That's right, Luke. I know the temptation would be too great. Next. The effect of the cards is lost in podcast form. Next. I feel confident my intro will be a bit the best one yet. The end. If you could see what I said. <laughs> to be fair, that was beautiful to watch. <laughs> Claude Those of you at home, Uncle Claude could just see Luke. That's the only person I could see. <laughs> so I just watched him holding cue cards for a meal red. <laughs> oh, man. That was actually great. Luke just holding cue cards. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, wait, small cue cards. I'm like a big monkey. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But you were right, Luke. Here we are, uh, the last book of the trilogy, and I feel like things just keep falling apart. Since that time of year, for <laughs> we're us. in the pseudo studio. We're now done down one. Um, mm-hmm. Coming in through Skype, I'm hoping this sounds okay. Well, he'll at least definitely sound like he's on an internet call, <laughs> and we might like overpower him. Sorry if you get a. Uh... Actually, you know what? That might be karma for you. I was right. going to say, I talk loud enough, so we may be okay as I'm sitting in the We'll find out, cave. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob yeah. and I are oh, I should have done that. Really Greetings yeah. from the Clob Cave. Oh, oh so, yeah. So we do want to put out there that uh, for those listeners out there, do do all our thoughts and prayers. Please direct them towards Mara Jade. The dog. The dog. Yes. And the character. Who is, who oh. is sick. Apt. With diarrhea yes. from ingesting too much peanut butter. We were distracting her while we were cutting her nails, and we may have. We were just shut up. We were distracting her as we were cutting her nails, and we may have overdone it on the peanut butter. So now she, we we have to redo some enzyme stuff in her stomach. So just to be sh- straight here, your dog got sick after ingesting too much peanut butter. <laughs> you don't have to deal with him looking into your eyes while he's saying it. <laughs> Uh, Luke, can we cover the dolphin noises on a call? (laughs) There's probably a way. I'm ready. (laughs) My God. Are you surprised by any of this? Well, hey, why don't we club? I guess we can't buy you one. Um, (laughs) We could beam him one. Yeah. Yeah. It has been four days stuck at my house by myself with a dog with diarrhea. I am well stocked with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I tell you what, I, I'll get the round for us three since it's a light round, um, and let's head on over there. We don't serve there. Do you have any blue milk? Or what am I supposed to find in it? Oh my goodness, it's bigger on the inside. I want to go to Kaki's Power Converters. Okay, okay, it's not a detonator. It's just a jammy dodger. What are the B boys? Tavern talk. <laughs> All right, well, three of us are back gathered around the tavern fire. We've got. Uh, I've got my own private fire going over here. Yes, the wizard has brought up his scrying stone. I've got Clob sitting here. But, uh, Luke, it's time for Tavern Talk, that portion of the show, throwing it out there, where we go around for about oh. 25, half an hour. Something. Something. Stuff. Where we talk about. Other stuff, just our, our geeky week, month. Ooh, it's been a long time. So. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, my, my geeky week. Blah, blah, blah. Month. Yeah. <laughs> my nerd month. Um, really, I've been doing stuff 
four dungeons and dweebs that I'm not ready to talk about yet. Yes. All I'm going to say, if you're on Twitter, you got a little screenshot sneak peek of what I've been editing. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. All I'm going to say is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yes. Right now. Especially if you like games. Maybe. 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 But actually, you know what? I did watch um, a Hulu series... Was it 11, 20, 63, that one with, um, shoot, 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 um, Franco, Franco, one of the Franco brothers, I think it was James, James Franco, Franco. he, it's uh, based off a Stephen King book, Mm. he goes back in time, tries to prevent the assassination of JFK, oh yeah, that good book, Mm -hmm. very good, a really good show, Uh, but I mean, and I think the show really stuck to the, um, Who's the author? I'm sorry. Stephen King. Stephen, Stephen King. King. Said it. Sorry. Yeah. I have an echo of myself he, in my he's ear. He's not well known. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have an echo of myself in my ear. I'm, I'm not We should look at that Stephen King as books. I mean, he's not we a well known author. We should help him get his, his name out there. Anyway, yeah, it, you know, I, if you haven't read Stephen King, go out there and get yourself some. <laughs> I do. Hey, I, I hear he's up and coming. <laughs> yeah. I, I do feel like the the show held very true to the book, even though I haven't read it, mm. because towards the end it really fell apart. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds kind of Stephen Kingish. It sometimes. does, it does. I w- but at any rate, I would recommend checking that out. It was a really good time. I mean, even if you're not into time travel, it doesn't lean on that too heavily. Right. It's just super cool to see somebody go back and live through the uh, 60s. You know, that's an interesting point. I have never met anybody who's not into time travel. Like, what rube out there doesn't like time travel? Hey, listeners, if you're a rube out there who doesn't <laughs> like time travel... And you want to be torn like, apart on the You can't do time travel <laughs> because there'd be a paradox. I like Ugh. good time travel, where it's yeah. actually oh, explained well. Sure. Because there is very bad I like time good time travel, travel like Bill and Ted's both. Excellent Adventure. Or like 11 20, 63, where he goes through a closet. Ooh. That's all it is. Well, that's oh. inventive. Mm. Interesting. Yes. Is Stephen King doesn't have wardrobe? to be forward thinking anymore. He can Did just Santa Claus give him weapons? Santa Claus give him weapons? What? He said he went through a closet. It was like a wardrobe. He got to the wardrobe. Went See? To snow that's place, what I was trying to go <laughs> No, no, no. It was just a, a closet in the back of a diner. Oh, but hey, you could watch that on Hulu and find out. Not uh, not a sponsor. Um, at any rate, um, from across the galaxy, over the... Across the universe. Across the universe. Claude, how's your... Uh, um, actually, I've been playing catch-up a lot on any of my nerd stuff. I am finally... I'm actually up to date on The Walking Dead. Wow. Which, holy cow, if you're watching the current season couple episodes into the season you get a major it was a punch in the face but it was a fun punch in the face so i'm kind of cool with it i'm kind of trying to figure out where things are going to go with it um luke i took your suggestion i'm currently in season two of travelers right now Ooh, buddy and i'm i really dug the first season Mm -hmm. and it's really very it's really very cool with that um that's really what i've been doing and that's really where i've been even I, I made it from season four to the current season of Walking Dead over Christmas break. <laughs> nice. Wow. So that 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 tells you where my priorities have been with all this. Um, other than that, just hanging out, hanging out with Mara Jade and mm-hmm. uh, trying to hang on and trying not to puke myself as the accidents <laughs> happen in the house. And actually, I'm going um, to take what you were doing. I'm going to throw it to the table. Are Neil, Bob, or either of you actively watching The Walking Dead? No. no. No, I, I I stopped when 
a little after the governor. If I, if I can be honest with you, I had no idea The Walking Dead was still even running as a show. What was that, Cloud? Yeah. I stopped after the governor episodes two when they were originally yep. on. Mm. I just had heard, you know, you, you'd seen so much online with the whole Negan episodes and everything. Yep. And, um, what's his name? Jeffrey Dean Morgan yeah. is such a fun actor to watch. Um, yeah. he's the guy for those of you not watching the show, he played the comedian in Watchmen. Mm. Yeah, oh, I didn't right. know that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he did. He played the comedian in Watchmen and he's just a fun bad guy. Mm. Cause he, you can tell that he has a blast playing a bad guy. For sure. Well, and so uh, those, those episodes, I wanted to get to those episodes and watch those episodes, but I didn't feel I could just jump right into that season. I had to actually go back to where I was and watch all of them to catch up. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the format of that show. I just, I can't, it really wears on me. It, it's the same thing over, I mean, not, not yeah. literally the same, but it's the same format. You know, something exciting, something boring, something exciting to to get you at the end zombies zombies I I will say the big you know there was a stinger in the current season there's a big there's a big huge stinger a couple episodes in Mm -hmm. and then like two more episodes in there's another huge stinger where you're where it gives you that WTF moment okay and so the new the new season I think has gone back to uh, some of the things that made it really good the first couple seasons Hmm. okay um, the other nerdy thing that I will say here, Luke, mm-hmm. since we're doing Tavern Talk, is there any way that you can raise that camera by about an inch? Because all I'm looking at is your chin. Hold on. Let me, let me take this. <laughs> I'm, telling, exactly. the I'm shirt. telling podcasting exactly. happening right now. <laughs> yes. No, an, an oh, inch at a foot. <laughs> there Anything we go. else for you, That's Claude. much better. All I'm looking at is Luke's chest as he's going off and talking here, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. No. All right. Well, Neil, what have you been up to there, young man? Well, surprisingly, not as much now that I'm thinking that's, about that's it. Okay. I mean, trying to remember the last time we had an episode and what I'd already said then. Mm. But during that time, <laughs> I think I have finished two different books. One has gone on to, oh, sorry, okay. on to Friday Finds and also the first contest, contest winner for us right now. Yeah, let's talk about the contest Which winner. one? The one for oh, your, yes. what do you, yeah, not our <laughs> latest one. That's the one I was waiting for, because I thought we were going to do that earlier. Oh, yeah, but we're coming anyway, at it at the end. Um, uh, but there was some fantastic dice rolling going oh, on. Oh, yes, on my last moment of, wait, I need to get this out. <laughs> Could we so, set up? Uh, it was a book called Punch Escrow, mm-hmm. right? Punch Escrow, it doesn't really involve time travel so much as instant teleportation. It's just about mixing fruit juice. Huh? <laughs> mixing fruit juice? <laughs> It's just about mixing fruit juice. Surprisingly, no. (laughs) But it's about um, (laughs) teleportation has now become the new norm of travel, and I think it's 2157 or something Mm, like that. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things they have is called the punch escrow. And escrow, you know, it's normally you put money into your account for a certain reason. Mm -hmm, And this mm -hmm. is a insurance fund for if something goes wrong when you're being teleported. And hi, Mara. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mara, Mara. Jade. And surprisingly, of course. Welcome to the course, show, Mara Jade. And surprisingly, of course, things go wrong, mm-hmm. which leads to the whole end of the book and all that. So we no, ended up even. rolling out to see who would win the contest. And who ended up winning this contest? And our contest was won by Aaron Lords of Facebook. Congratulations, oh, Aaron. Awesome. We are happy for you, and it has been sent out. 
Um, I yes. wanted to ask you, Neil, about the dinosaur lords because you posted not. that as your <laughs> Friday find, and I was very intrigued with this because I this pops up on Amazon mm-hmm. for me all the time. Uh, as a kid, loved dinosaurs. Yep, loved same. medieval stuff. The cover alone. You want to be when you're young. Yep. Okay. The, the cover alone. I love Dino Riders. If That's for anybody out there who loves Dino Riders. Oh, I love Dino Riders. Dino Riders. Why don't they bring that back? Everything because else. Because Dino mining. Lords wasn't as good here. By the way, I, I don't know. For those. What of you was the book know, series? Was that? I don't remember. What was the what was the what was the uh, fantasy book series about dinosaur like riding? That. Uh, there was one that Ray Bradbury presents, Dinosaur World. I don't know if that, but there was a series of books about people time traveling, and then I, the dinosaurs would were, were sentient and, and all that kind of stuff. It was cool. Dinotopia. Oh, Di- yeah. oh Dinotopia. I love the miniseries. Dinotopia. As a side. But yeah. Dinosaur Lords. Yes. Bob, and you say it keeps popping up. If you scroll down and look at the reader reviews... That's yeah, not, pretty accurate. You either get people who really love it or it's really yeah. slow or yeah. what is going on. It started great. I mean, it started with a battle. There's a lot of intrigue in the battle. And then all of a sudden just... I dinosaur really don't politics? Or like, <laughs> not dinosaur politics. The people politics really got in the Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. but, and some people did comment that there is the later series. And hopefully it does get, did get better. I'm okay. not sure if that's going to be the next thing I go to, but... Because it's a very attractive yeah. looking. Yeah, I never judge a book really by its cover. So but I'm yeah. judging this one. There, there's a book out, or not a book, a video game out, uh, what, Ark, Ark Survival? Ark Survival. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, and it definitely reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the cover, I didn't read the book. Mm-hmm. So, and then the other book I read is going to come out on this upcoming Friday. Well, you want to preview just it? Because, so I'm not going to preview it. Actually. Why not? Because little... this will never come out before. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying. You don't but know. anyway, it could. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but this one is a collection of short stories that all tie into the same narrative, which okay. really baffled me how well all these different authors, and it's all different authors too, mm-hmm. were able to weave a full story that tied into each other. Okay. The way uh, Kevin J. Anderson was able to weave all the tales from Moas Eisley Cantina into one narrative. Oh, no, I don't. Well done, but it didn't make sense. <laughs> My God. But uh, anyway. There's a lot of Star Wars listeners now, so they probably know what I'm talking about. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Called, the book was called Wild Cards. Oh, and it was okay. edited oh. by George R. R. Martin. And it had oh. it started with him playing. I want so to that's say, what he's doing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> writing that book. Hang on. This was back from like the 90s. Oh, my. But anyway, it was him. It's starting to feel like the last book was then, too. That, too. Yes. It was him and a bunch of author friends. They'd gotten together for an RPG. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but the world they made had all these people who became superheroes and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And then they created this story around it. And it's now up to, I think, 14 collected books or oh, something wow. like that. Wow. I want to say, I, I think it's more than 14, but I, it's up there now. Wow. So, and the last thing, because the four people, three at this table currently, (laughs) who know this, in two weeks, the next magic set comes out. And I've been really getting into the art book, which Bob is currently borrowed from me. And probably wrapping in my life. Of course. It's actually okay right now. (laughs) But the next set is coming out, and I'm really excited, because like Luke Mm -hmm. said, it's on Ravnica, which is a joy Mm -hmm. for looking at all the different guilds and how things are set up. Yeah, I loved Ravnica. You know, we have talked about magic a little bit before, but Mm -hmm. I think that was right, Luke. Our jumping back in point was uh, Innistrad, and then Ravnica came out. You jumped back in. I I was introduced. You being Bob. Through. Oh, yeah, sorry. Bob, you were introduced. Yeah, and then Ravnica brought Mm -hmm. you in. Yeah, that's what 
got the hooks into me, and I spent way too much money all the way through, all the way up to <laughs> and partially through cons. Yeah, and it's that that was kind of the end for me. Yeah, I, I went and then uh, it's hot been cold turkey. Yes, for a while. You know, I do hot, feel like hot and fast. Not to make this like Wink. magic centered talk, but I mm-hmm. do feel like that's something we could throw out there. The problem with Magic: The Gathering, I love the game, but that is that is the issue for me is that the whole mythic rare whole deal with that you dump a bunch of money into it and then eventually it means nothing it means nothing no. yeah and you you kind of step we're away from when you step away yeah. from it you go like what was yeah, i no, doing we're, we're very casual players now we're very casual yeah yes. and the, well and, and it be and it became a point too with magic where you invested the money in these sets and like you said bob all of a sudden well it's not legal to play with these sets anymore yeah and then all of a sudden I feel like there was a time too where maybe maybe two, three, four years ago where all of a sudden the new sets just really became way too complicated unless you were yep. steeped in the lore. It was I agree. after cons where was everyone that? kind of stopped. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't casual anymore. Zendikar yeah. mm-hmm. is where everything kind of stopped. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I hit a group. Me personally, I just hit like a weird, like unlucky phase in, uh, at the, well, actually in, in block right. two of cons. That's right. Where I, I put no. so much money in, and I didn't pull anything out of no, it. No, no. I, I, and it's, I, I don't like... I agree. Cons was my stepping off point, too, because mm. we had bought a bunch of booster yeah. box. We, we sat around, and we pulled nothing out. Nothing. And, and it was like, I did great. I just you, want to put that. Yeah, that's true. I did very well. That's why Neil's still playing. But that was kind of a step off point, and and we we were running. Luke and I were running uh, a game uh, club. group club yeah, at school, and there's an ebb and flow to everything. I would love to know how Wizards of the Coast is doing. Like you know, an overall graph. Mm. How is the popularity I, of Magic? Because they're still doing well. Yeah, I'm sure they're still mm-hmm. doing well. But even the kids at school, it seems to be uh, ebbing right now. Yeah. There's not a lot of interest, at least at our school, in Magic. It doesn't seem to be the thing. Yeah, I think um, talking to I have some friends who do play in tournaments. Uh-huh. Um, but what they and actually, you know, I don't know that they really hop in on like the I don't I don't remember what you call it. What's the standard? Standard, the standard yep. cards, the ones right. that are within the last couple sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they do that. They they like to play what they call their own cube. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a cube is where you basically define your own set of cards. Right. And you can only make decks from those, and you have to play against each other. And it's really I, I guess I don't know. I feel like that. I don't know that I could have ever gotten there. Right. Really. I mean that that's yeah. like level three nerd. Right. I'm maybe one and a half. What I see them as shooting themselves in the foot with is that for young players coming mm-hmm. in, like I look at all the kids that we were trying to get involved in magic. Yeah. You'd have a lot of kids who even came from really hard kind of socioeconomic backgrounds, and you're trying to get them into a game and love a game that mm. really is just about sucking their money out of their yeah. pockets. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. You know, and and you're like, okay, I, I'm sorry for even getting you involved in this. Let's pull out Dungeons and Dragons: Wrath of a Shardalon. Yeah, yeah where there's, we can just play it at the table. This board game that the club bought that you don't have to pay money to play at yeah. all. It's yeah, it's. Well, ma- Magic is very ma- just like a lot of the online games and a lot of the app games and even um, a lot of the now PS4 games and the mm-hmm. Xbox games. There's so much pay to play yeah. that it's yeah. just outrageous. I bought the yeah. game. I bought this set. Just let me play the game. Right. I, and I, I really, Club, I do think we're at a really like like we're at a tipping point right mm-hmm. now where gamers are sick of it. I agree. And I agree. Why I think Fortnite is so big. Free. Yeah. It's free to yeah. play. Anything you buy in the game is just cosmetic. Okay. It's it doesn't affect your playing. Not one. Well, I 
uh, <laughs> citation needed. I've never played it. Okay. But I oh, do from know. From what you hear. From what I hear, and I hear a lot <laughs> yeah. against my will. <laughs> I really, I, yeah. but I, I do I'm think like the gaming industry, like especially with like how like big and evil EA has become. Mm-hmm. Oh god, someone's knocking on the door. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> They're dressed in black. The, over, the EA overlord. You're okay. Team. That's my door. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so anyway, um, that has been my mer- nerd chunk. Sorry for bringing us into <laughs> yeah, magic. Yeah, and look what no, we just talked about. Good side conversation. Good side conversation. Bogarted. You're welcome. <laughs> we'll release a separate episode. Yeah. The Magic the Gathering forum. Well, I mean, well, we do still have to check out the Ravnica Guild Kit decks that I bought. Yes. Yeah. Which is just That'd individual kind of decks that were and made. And we have, I mean, so, you know, anyway. a small spoiler. There's definitely other things coming from Dungeons. We have side projects. Yes. If you wonder why it's taking so long for new things to come out, yes. that's part of it, maybe. Yes, it, it might have been a long time since you've seen an episode, but I've been editing nonstop <laughs> in between episodes. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, my so God. Um, Bob, okay, how so, you doing, bud? Hey, not How's too bad. your month-ish plus? You know, not to uh, belabor like, uh, things that people are watching or anything like that. Yes. Uh, but I am actually going to bring up something that I was watching. So I'm watching a TV series that maybe our uh, fantasy fans uh, might like because uh, after this we're going to a new fantasy realm. Um, so for those of you, we're going to Piers Anthony. Oh, Piers. After this. Yeah, good old Piers Anthony. Oh, yeah. Piers? Yeah. He has yeah. lots of lovemaking in his books. <laughs> it they're gonna if you like uh, weirdness uh, you need to come with us to this this realm yeah. um, but I've been getting kind of fantasy on the mind so and I love myself anything I'm an Anglophile like anything to do with uh, the British Isles and I found a little series called Britannia there's uh, on oh, Netflix know, right uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime so if you check it out it's a series written by uh, Ches Butterworth I mean you know Ches. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> no. You know, Ches, Ches <laughs> Butterworth. Exactly old Ches, he grew up down the street from me. He's known for such films as, uh, you know, Birthday Girl and uh, Edge of Tomorrow and uh, Get Back or Get On Up. Uh, it's actually, Ches, isn't Ches second. Butterworth, is it, isn't that the son of Mrs. Butterworth? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. um, he actually has had a lot of success, I guess, with plays. Uh, he's been nominated for many awards with plays. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Britannia, if you're into kind of that, I would say it follows a lot of the template of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Game of Thrones set that template of like, <laughs> let's get some high fantasy in here, but let's make it digestible or edgy by kind of having it coarse and raw you know and okay. Britannia is that way um, I like it though because it deals with actual history um, the invasion of the British Isles um, by the Romans and it deals with a couple of you know high uh, Celtic clans and how they deal with that if there's one thing that's kind of weird you know kind of I like history and their portrayal of the Druids is really a odd take on the Druids. I mean, granted, nobody knows what the Druids are are like, you know, or what they really were. Um, So anybody who tells you they know that they are a practicing Druid is just kind of making it up. (laughs) No, Um, I have lots of crystals that were. We we only have the writings of Julius Caesar and he may have been a liar uh, and has uh, a few other things. But um, yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a really good series, and so I'd highly recommend it to anybody who's into maybe more of the uh, the coarse, bloody, brutal kind of style of things. It's pretty good. What was that, Club? 
I didn't choose the druid life. The druid life chose me. <laughs> Your character's a fighter. Hey, and that, I'm, I don't mean to malign anybody who is part of the, uh, you know, druid following. I mean, hey, blessed be to you. Um, but because um, I, I follow some podcasts of people who, who do do druidry, and I know it's like a resurrected kind of thing, mm. and people kind of are, are doing their own kind of spiritual path with that. But in all honesty, nobody knows what these people were doing. So no. their take in Britannia is really out there. So you, yeah. it took me a while to kind of get past their take on druidry. Um, but it, it was cool. Um, let's go over to our Facebook page. What are we going to do on Facebook, Bob? <laughs> well, hey, um, um, Bob. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. Don't we have a little something to announce about our contest? Okay, so this is the episode where we ch- uh, send out our secret message about the password. The password. the password. So okay, so up for grabs, guys. All of you guys who listen out there right now, and we know that uh, there's a small handful of hundreds of you. <laughs> well, a medium, no, a medium handful, handful of, of hundreds. Just specifically, your friends. Yeah, <laughs> the likes are up so, at least five hundred. No, Grandpa, <laughs> click on your, click off your profile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There it is. There it is. There. It is. <laughs> um, so. We've got two of the Lando Calrissian books, Star Wars, kind of collector's items, hardcovers, uh, covered in mylar. Yeah. Uh, we'll send them out to you. All you need to do is go on over, like the Facebook page, and then instant message us, right? Or private message, right? Private message us? Direct message, private message. Just send, me- yeah, send a message to the... Dungeons and Dweebs Facebook page. Yeah, you send a message to our DMs, baby. And all it has to be is this top secret phrase. Make sure, first of all, make sure you've liked the page. You gotta like it. Because we will be checking that. Yeah, you gotta like the page. We're trying, this is a a sick grab for likes. Sick grab. Share it out to all your friends. For every one of you Star Wars fan listeners out there, you got to have at least five, six f- friends that want to listen to yeah, the show. And there's at least, you know, probably three of you out there that want these books. Remember those books that were written 30 years ago? <laughs> Don't you want to listen to four Yahoos talk oh about God. them? <laughs> um, so you come on over, you like the page, and then private instant message us, whatever, this phrase... I ain't no Chahala Backbark. I ain't no Chahala Backbark. That's all you gotta say. And then <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna take. Ain't no Chahala Backbark. Yeah, I ain't no Chahala Backbark. So at any rate, uh, all we're gonna do is we're gonna look for everybody who has said that, or or, or messaged us that phrase. We're gonna click over to their profile, make sure that they have liked our page. Enter them into the drawing. You'll be drawn at random to win these books. Yes. And then we will message you to let you know that you And we will announce you on the next show. If you want. There's nothing you want. I mean, hey, we don't have to. Like, if you're in a prisoner protection (laughs) program or something, we won't say anything. We'll just say first name. There's nothing like using a 15-year-old song to promote a 30-year-old book. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be so popular. Yeah. Hey, this is your chance, man. The drawings can be between, like, five people. Oh Get in there. Six counting me in my second account. <laughs> you know, I always I'm going to have my wife try being, it so that I don't even have to send these books no, out. No, Neil, you and your girlfriend cannot win. Bob, <laughs> you're oh, trying no. to get rid of these books. I don't know why you want your wife in there. <laughs> I'm not trying you know, to get I'll, rid of them. It's a second copy. That's right. That's right. 
I would never actually not have these books. <laughs> Part of the library. You know, I do always kind of picture Winter as being a little Gwen Stefani. <laughs> actually. That was yes. Hollerback. That, that's who's that saying Hollerback. Or, or, right? Yeah, well, yes, for sure. Yeah. She's a blonde Leia for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but they dye her hair so that yeah. she could yeah. take wig. the hits. It's a wig, so she so. can take it off and like go do her own stuff. I mean, because, you know, it's the job doesn't pay that well. As yeah. the traveler. So that is yeah. our contest. Uh, yes, so remember, is. just like the page. I and ain't no Chahala Backbark. I ain't no Chahala Backbark. Nice. <laughs> All right. You got anything else for Tavern Talk? I got nothing else for Tavern Talk. Uh, we do have one quick message. We didn't oh. have a lot on Facebook, but I just wanted to bring up. We probably uh, did. I like when people uh, throw out stuff like, hey, have you ever read this? Do you guys think you would ever want to read this for the show? Uh, Justin sent us The Inheritance Cycle. Anybody out there read The Inheritance Cycle? I've never even heard of it. Yes, you have. You have yes, seen these books. They're the ones with the dragon heads on the front. They're like oh, blue Aragon, and red, red and, and green. green. Oh, it's Aragon. It's yeah. Aragon. Aragon. Like, yeah. Yeah, but it's the inheritance cycle, the property. Don't, yes, don't I judge know, but it on the movie. everybody, yeah, but you know them as the Aragon books. Yeah, I have exactly. read all three of them. I loved There's all three four. of them. I was severely disappointed by the movies. There's yeah. still um, four. Of the them. only thing that was okay in the <laughs> movies was Michael Ironside, because Michael Ironside could do whatever the fuck. He's he always does. good. He's always good. Wait, Clav, you are aware there's four and not three, right? Yes. Sorry, you're right. You're okay, correct. Okay, I'm just making sure because at one point it was supposed to only be a trilogy and then he made it four books. And As it anything, you sure. make a lot That's of money all. on the trilogy. People start living. <laughs> <laughs> the characters start living longer lives. Why are they still alive? Didn't they die two books ago? <laughs> no, that well, was a separate universe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Welcome to the zombie. But is he done now? Is there? Is it four books and done? Is it he was done? Four and done. I've heard. I personally have heard oh. nothing else otherwise. Cla- you well, know, and and then these were the ones that were originally written when the he he started the first one and he got the first one published when he was like sixteen or seventeen or something what? like that. In defense, his parents yeah. published the first one and then a different well, company bought it out after that. Yeah, but he was still yeah. he was still sixteen or seventeen when that you know, happened. Sixteen and seventeen year uh, seventeen year olds had a big year that year. Wasn't this around the same time Eve Six came out with, <laughs> <laughs> with their album? He was like sixteen. Oh my god! I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rhymes. But, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. <laughs> well, and that, swallow my doubt. Turn it inside out. Round jumping the last <laughs> command. Okay, let's go jump into Alaska Band. I got it this time. Thanks. You know Tashi Station? I'm a leaf on the wind. <laughs> I'm a freaking fight for that. I'm a leaf. Waiting around for that Skywalker kid to come pick up the power convoyers. We got downloads in 20 systems. I pull up a chair, friend. <laughs> oh man, but here we are. Ready to cover Last Command by Timothy Zahn, the third book of the trilogy. Ready yeah. to bring it all in after the dramatic climax. Mm. The circle Ooh. is now complete. Mm. Yes. Mm. I don't know if I'd call it dramatic in the last book. Well, can you not, like, preview your opinion? So it was the last book. <laughs> How can I not preview my opinion of the last book? He <laughs> said from the dramatic to this one. That, there's nothing wrong oh, with Oh, never mind. The last book. Yes. Sorry. Sorry I blew yeah. up. God. Sorry I blew up. Oh, my God. Sorry. At any rate, Bob, <laughs> do you have a synopsis ready? I've got a small synopsis ready. Oh, a small yes. one. Small one. Pe- uh, un pequeño. Uh, <laughs> piquito wawa. <laughs> Just read that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Star Wars, The Last Command by Timothy Zahn. Bantam Spectra Publishing, April 1993. At long last, Grand Admiral Thrawn's long planned for and anticipated offensive against the New Republic begins. Having obtained the Katana fleet and stuffing them full of creepy, single-minded clones, <laughs> the blue-skinned Warhawk launches a bold offensive against the New Republic's very heart, the city planet of Coruscant. At the same time, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Talon Card work to form an alliance of smugglers, hoping they will assist with the New Republic's defense. Resistant to the call, the smugglers are pushed into the fight when their meeting is attacked by Imperial troops. Back in Coruscant, Leia and Han narrowly thwart an Imperial attempt to kidnap their children with the help of Mara Jade. But with some well-placed finger-pointing, Mara is placed under arrest. But Mara and Leia share a, share a heart-to-heart, and Mara says she's pretty sure, well, kind of sure, or like 50% sure, she could find the cloning facility on Wayland. Willing to risk the political and personal fallout, Leia, Han, and Luke break out Mara and go off to find the cloning facility. Mara, Luke, Han, Lando, Chewie, the droids, and Taloncard travel to Wayland slipping past Imperial forces in the area with the help from the Nori and two horribly underutilized local alien races, Han, Lando, and Chewie set explosives deep within the cloning facility. At the same time, Mara and Luke have a knockdown, drag-out fight with Jorus Saboath. Sabaoth. Jorus Sabaoth, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, my childhood. In his hero work... <laughs> Uh, in his hero-worshipping replica of the Emperor's throne room. But Jorus has a little secret. He has cloned Luke out of the hand lost on Bespin. Luke now faces Luke. <laughs> in, a, in a gripping exploration of clones and their apparent inability to articulate vowel sounds. But in the end, Luke and Jorus lay dead, Mara Jade finally fulfilling the Emperor's last command, hence the name of the book. Our story climaxes at the Battle of Bilbringi Shipyards. In an all-out attempt to steal a device capable of detecting the cloaked asteroids in orbit around the besieged planet of Coruscant, the rebels strike at the well-defended shipyards. But even with the New Republican Smuggler Alliance working in unison, the battle is nearly lost until the shocking betrayal of Thrawn's own Nogri bodyguard, Rook, leaves the Grand Admiral dead and Captain Pelion ordering a retreat. Back, in Coruscant, back on Coruscant, Luke hands Mara his father's lightsaber. She takes it and throws it over her shoulder into the city below. No, she doesn't. Oh, wait, that would be horrible and probably kill the franchise. Instead, she takes it, thus ushering in the success not only of this trilogy, but paving the way for hundreds of books, comics, video games to come. As we close the last page of Last Command, we open the first page on the newly created Expanded Universe. You know what, I actually, uh, <laughs> a very recent thing that I came by on the internet, um, I'm going to give a shout out to a channel that doesn't need it on YouTube, the uh, game theorists slash film theorists. Um, when the second movie, um, Empire Strikes Back, came yep. out, yep. it was one of the most poorly received movies. Yes, mm. that is accurate. Does that sound familiar? That is, that is, I think, a not 
accurate description of what The Empire Strikes Back was. I've heard the same commentary on a Star Wars podcast, and because that that has been something oh, that's been you, floating around the you internet. And your, you and your science, and that is and not a true object. statement. Not a true statement. Um, but yeah, yeah, that is something that's being thrown around. Uh, but is maybe no, no, not there, there necessarily are, true. And you know, maybe maybe a conversation for a different time in a different show. Oh, for sure. But um, <laughs> really, I. I kind of no. It's it's. Well, you know what? Actually, no. I'm I'm gonna say it right here. Oh right oh, now, oh god! Oh god! So it's oh. going to happen. I'm I'm unbuttoning my shirt. <laughs> oh no! Which is like totally, oh no! Oh god! Oh god! It's an audio podcast. I didn't have to say that. I'm so sorry, everybody. Luke's unbuttoning his shirt. I He's getting ready to throw out some stuff. Uh, no, we should we should definitely like do like some sort of sideshow and just really talk about. Um, I don't know. I I stand in defense of the new movies. Ooh, interesting. I do. I it it, it is it is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about that. I actually def- stand in defense of all of the new movies except for maybe Last Jedi. I'm not a really? fan of Last Jedi. Yeah, I really don't like that movie. Actually, and it's not just for... get, just getting that out of you is a surprise. Yeah. Oh, I have no problem with most of the new ones. I have my quibbles, right? Like, I don't, I don't feel like they're as expansive as mm-hmm. the old stuff was, um, and they need to work on aliens and whatnot. But no, I think they're just fine. I think oh. they're just fine. Last wow. Jedi well, is a bit it's of a sticking point. It's got cool stuff, but it's a sticking point. Club. Club. Again, it's a it's a different part of the universe, and it's a different part of what you want to take out of it. And I'm okay with the new movies, mm-hmm. and but I understand that it's not my generation. Yeah, and I'm hoping that whatever comes out here, it's the only reason I'm looking. For, it's the only reason I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl this year is I think there's going to be a trailer. I think so too. There's got to be. There probably will be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think uh, Disney is in the middle of kind of reordering things, but I do think something's going to come out. Yeah, because I mean, there was like a like a hefty petition. Mm-hmm. To throw out the Last Jedi as canon. Yeah. Well, that's all a bunch of stupidness. Like, that's not going to happen. No, like, happen. It's not. But it's still the fact yeah. that there were that many no. people who signed it. Yeah. Right. No. I mean, even in even in the internet age, like you know, I you know anything can come across my Facebook feed. Like, it's really got to be something if I'm going to click on it. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. That is definitely true. Hey, Bob. Yeah. I do want to point out right now after you read that synopsis. That my dog is enthralled with you because every time you said that particular name, she ran into the kitchen <laughs> thinking I was calling her. <laughs> this is going to be a rough episode for her. <laughs> that, there's going to be a lot of Mara James. I know, right? Mara! Mara! Here, Mara! Mara! Mara. All right, well, let's She's get into it. She's sitting very nicely looking at my phone right now. What <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, so, so chapter one. Chapter one, we oh, open yeah. with preparations for the assault on the Yukio system. Yes, preparations A through G have Yukio. failed. Yukio. It is to be a demonstration planet. They use simultaneous timing between Star Destroyers and cloaked cruisers to make it seem like they have a new weapon that can punch through a planetary defense. I like this idea. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant idea, by the way. Yeah. To look at this and to sneak those sh- clone ships in and to use that to use that cloning technology for something that really I don't think that anybody would have thought of of how do you use cloning technology. I agree. And I think it's um it's against the grain of what you as an author, probably if you're writing your own book, you know, I think a lot of fans, you're going to go with, hey, if you have cloning facilities, you're going to try to clone a massive army and overrun. Mm-hmm. 
what I think is really smart about what Zahn does here is between the cloaking shields and the clones, he is using them in an incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. way to try right. to take down. And even though isn't there's a whole part in this book about how he's overproducing clones. Yeah. But still, it, it, he can't really overproduce clones because of his limited capacity. So he... I guess I don't know. You know what? Now that I say it out loud like that, uh-huh. I don't think it's that brilliant. Well, and part I think of the well, well I was going to say we get the drop later too about how long it's actually taking him to grow things. Yes. Well, and that's the other part with them growing, and who knows how long their actual shelf life is going to be when they're accelerated exactly. before they Agent turn into uh, yeah. cream and mushroom soup. Correct. <laughs> yes. From here on out, dead <laughs> cream and mushroom soup. We do get the drop yeah, here in chapter one that uh, Sabaoth is incredibly um, popular. Amongst these mm-hmm. clones, and that he is drawing a lot of following. I mean, he, to he's him. got everything. He's got the beard. He's got the. the he's got the robe. Robe. <laughs> the I shorty mean, robe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Thrawn is all about the, like dictatorial order, whereas Sabaoth, he's all fun. Dictatorial <laughs> order. <laughs> And they're all well, the same mind, the so. <laughs> the oh, clone yeah. they cloned was Richard well, Simmons, and he's oh uh, just ready to go. One yeah. of the other things, because the cloning facilities on Wayland, did that have something to do with it? Because Sabioth was there for so long that he had mm. slipped mm. some certain things in, not that type of thing, <laughs> into good certain catch, spots. Good about, catch, good catch. Jump all over that. Well, let's go all the way through into this. Into the cloning facilities. Well, let's go through all, sure. all the way through this thing. I think yeah. what we're supposed to mean, what's yeah. meant here is that because the clones all are the same person. Mm-hmm. They have the same ma- mind structure. Right. Yeah. And so... Oh, and is, that, is that what's going on? Yeah, so Sabioth has learned to unlock, you know, how to control one of them. Once he learns how to control one, he can control them all. Oh, it's just and one person. Two and almost, yeah. Because yeah. there's a bunch of different leaders he sends there that are their best cream of the crop. Right. Yeah, we don't know how many are. separate clones they are, but we get throughout this book how he is yeah. learning how to manipulate the minds of, chunk. of those yeah. people so that he can easily manipulate all all these clones. Hey, which hey, is a cool idea. Hey, hey, let's not call them those people. That's clonist. <laughs> anyway, that is true. Um, we could get into a conversation about how sci-fi constantly acts like clones are some sort of robots when they wouldn't be. Right. I mean, I can actually I can tell you a story about. Yeah. Okay, listening to like I mean I'm talking thirteen plus-ish years ago, right? I was listening to, like, one of the first podcasts that were ever, like, published. <laughs> um, Liam Lynch, he was a, an executive producer on the Pick of Destiny movie. Oh, yeah. And he used to do all these, like... Tenacious goof- D? Yes. Yeah, he used nice. to do um, all these goofy, like, um, videos and podcasts. But what he had, um, he had a cat who was named... Um, Shoot, I can't remember the, the original cat's name. Let's just at, at any rate, at any rate, he had a cat, um, and the cat got hit by a car. It was like one of his favorite cats in the world. And at the time, cloning was not illegal. Okay. Yep. He got his cat cloned. Oh, weird. Yeah. And he said he, like, un, like, unintentionally the first time, brought his cat home in a box, opened the box, and the cat like ran up and like across the couch and like looked at uh, something in the room. Yeah. When he brought his clone cat home, Finnegan. I remember the the mm-hmm. clone cat's name, Finnegan. Yeah. Um, oh, it was Freddy, Freddy Forcefield, and and uh, Finnegan Forcefield. Those the, those <laughs> the cat's names. Yeah. Um, when he brought Finnegan home, the cloned cat, and opened the box, he did the exact same thing Freddy did. What? So it's like That's you know, great. I mean, you know, nature versus nurture. Yeah. There yeah. is some part of you. 
Yeah. That is just nature. Hardwired in. And there is nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So. Interesting. That is interesting. Well, and that's always, and that yeah, has always been the thing with the clones in the Star Wars universe is they're bred specifically with certain parts of their, br- set up with certain parts of their brain to be more subservient and to yep. follow more orders and to be more loyal by accessing the different parts of their brain and changing their brain chemistry from the original host. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but from but here, it, we jump to Leia. Do you have anything else to say? No, that, 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 that's exactly what you want out of a clone soldier, though. Yes. Yeah. They're going to do what you want, yeah. and they're not fear for their life as they do. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Basically, meat robots. Yes. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Leia. We jump to Leia Han and the Falcon over Filva and Wedges there, too. Uh, they were on a diplomatic mission when they got caught in Thrawn's multi-system attack, so they get to see this. They get. Mm. It's important here. The real importance here is that they get video feed yes. of this, which will come up later in the, in the book. But Han sees it as his fault that Thrawn got to the fleet before him and mm-hmm. Han and Wedge use a nice little maneuver to get out of the system adding a little zero to the vector coordinates uh, there's a nice reference that happens here to Pash Kraken uh, which is there's a bunch of guides that came out It's when Zahn started writing these books he was given a giant stack of books oh, yeah. uh, from West End Games mm-hmm. and a lot of their stuff are called Kraken Guides or oh. like the Kraken Guides to this Kraken Guides to that it's like Pash Kraken like, so, oh, like cracking in? No, so Kraken is his last name. It's oh, kind of almost yeah. like saying uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury's guides to whatever. This is Pash Kraken's guides. Oh, to, so Pash was his first name? Yeah. Actually, I might be getting this wrong. I don't remember if in the 80s his name was Pash or if Pash is his son. I don't know. I don't you, you said Kraken, I went immediately to Sea Creature. <laughs> yeah, the Kraken. <laughs> Release the Kraken. In the room. In the room. In the black spice room. <laughs> but now as we're still going through this chapter, um, I'm going to bring it back here for a moment to the last book. Because Bob already jumped on my claim here at the start. Of this yeah, in the last book, I wasn't as happy because I thought it was a pretty meh climax in my mind. Mm-hmm. If they took this chapter one, Yep. And put it at the end of the last book, mm. I'd have been more okay with it. Yeah. Because build, it seemed, build suspense. Because yeah. it showed, okay, here's the, um, the Empire now. They win on this full on attack. The rebels have no idea what's yeah. going on with all this stuff and how are they going to recover from this. But wait, Thrawn's not going to have it well because Sabioth is causing a lot of bullshit. And three dolphins noise. And <laughs> what is going to happen at this point? Yeah. That would have been a perfect ending yeah. for me. Yeah. However, it's a great start. I just think it would, personally, I think it would have made more sense for me if it was at the end of the second book to lead into this final one. Right. But that's just me. What I was surprised about actually going back to the second book was how much in my mind I had built up Thrawn as a brilliant leader. And then in the second book, how much he lost. Yeah. Like, whereas you look at Empire Strikes Back, in Empire Strikes Back, it's a a constant lose for the rebels. For the the Empire. The rebels are at the bare bottom yep. whereas in this one it's kind of like Thrawn is always like well that plan failed but this is not the end of the war we might have lost this battle but we haven't lost the war yeah it's a constant yeah. talk by Thrawn saying we haven't lost this battle uh, or we lost this battle we haven't lost the war and it actually I was surprised at how uh, undermined uh, Thrawn what became in the second book Compared to what I'd remembered him. But I agree. Mm-hmm. This is him now coming out on top again. Yes, and this is what I felt ways. should have been. Yes. That end because it showed, hey, 
I actually had a plan with this fleet. It wasn't just, oh, I only got part of them, and da-da-da-da. Yep, I agree. The so. Rebels should have been far more beat. Club, what do you got? And I agree with Neil here completely because we get through this first chapter, these first couple of chapters, and again, you feel that you feel a little bit of angst here, and you feel, oh wow, there's an actual chance they might lose this. Yeah, see, right, I agree. Mm-hmm. This should have been the pit they were thrown down in the in the second in the yes. second book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, then we jump to Thrawn, and Thrawn is chastising Sabiath for breaking off the attack at Filva so he can chase after Leia because he senses yeah. that they're there. He wants mm-hmm. the twins, and that same idea of wait, no, Sabiath back on this and then yeah. how is Leia going to respond to this because she feels this Jedi and yep. there's so many things and no put your shirt back on Luke and <laughs> as we're going through I'm kidding folks he's does not but all these things are Sabioth causing problems compared to what you'd expect him to do mm-hmm. it's a nice touch and then like uh, what is it he still ends up losing this whole top spot with Thrawn I'm just no stop it this is not the time but for you on. to have your throw. There's a, there's a pregnant Skywalker around. <laughs> I must find him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, this I like this kind of back and forth between Thrawn and Sabiath because I like that Sabiath mm-hmm. is. Um, Thrawn doesn't like this guy. He's only using him and Just and is going to put him down well, at like any in point. In some odd way, Sabiath is like comic relief. Yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. Like evil comic relief. Which leads me to ask, how much of Sabayoth's own BS does he believe? Yes. Because we was he was a he was a good Jedi who yeah. was cloned. He's not I don't think we're supposed to take that he's actually He's not Sith. He's not is he, is he like the evil. first gray? He's a like a first gray well, dark Jedi. Going back to uh, Luke's cat thought here with the nature versus nurture <laughs> moment. Think about where Sabiath, clone Sabiath, has been living this whole time. Mm-hmm. In the Emperor's throne, essentially. Oh, right. He, and he's, he's taking from that nature around it of, this is all mine, and all this darkness that might be coming mm-hmm. in. Maybe. So maybe that's what twisted him, instead right. of just being that noble Jedi who was watching these things. Mm-hmm. True. Just and I do, thought I had now. I do think it's a planned. twisting, I mean, he's, he, he, oh, yeah, Clob. And at this point, are we, does... J- does Jerus actually realize that he's not Joris yet either? No, he does not. Because it's so revealed that, to him later on in the book. And he's yeah, like, and what? So at point, but at the same time, when, he, when it's revealed to him, I feel like he knew. Like, but he didn't want to face it. Yeah, and so I think there's a lot of that that goes into his actions here. Where does he know? Does he not know? Does he kind of suspect? Is he trying to really prove that he's Joris and not Jerus? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. It could yeah. be. I mean, with all the other extended universe backstories, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? There's it probably another fleshed out somewhere. in other books, but yeah. Um, so on to chapter two. Oh, wait. There's the other thing with Pelion first, though, right? Oh, what's that? I don't remember. Wasn't was there something about you? Chapter one. Yeah. Shut yeah. Up. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff there. There was just that moment where Pelion was... Pelion got his mind taken over a little bit by Sabiath. Of, yes. You're not going to oh, tell Thrawn this, yeah. but I need you to do this. I think I had her tell Thrawn something. Oh well, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. I'm just kind of. But you know what? I think it sends up an, an, an interesting interplay because up until this point, Thrawn, you take 
like you said, Luke, that mm-hmm. Sabaoth is kind of a comic relief character. Great. He doesn't ever seem to pose any real threat because he's Until so jumbled. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait. Underneath it all. It, it's, it's when he feels that uh, Leia's nearby with the twins. Yes. Where he starts yeah. Yeah. But you realize that he's been manipulating all these clones. He's got a bunch of people to his bidding. And now even Pelion, the closest to Thrawn, he's getting kind of his hooks into him. You're like, wait. Uh, Sabiath is actually pretty, you know, <laughs> getting pretty wicked. <sighs> so anyway, chapter two, planet Callius Sajlilu. <laughs> Excuse you? <laughs> I took the city of Birchest. Uh, this is kind of cool, giant crystal city. What'd you call city. me? <laughs> we got this giant orange crystal city, which I feel is just like a giant Sedona, Arizona. Everybody's just a hippie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all wearing, uh, like, those rug... Sweatshirts. Yeah, I, I'm so not hip. I don't even. <laughs> I, I feel like that's what like rugs. like really really hip people in the Star Wars universe have like you know how people have the uh, giant orange glowing salt crystals in the side of their house. Yep. You know, corners of the house are like uh, it uh, detoxifies the air. That's what they do. They have like yeah, yeah okay. Uh, Sag Lilu crystals in the corner <laughs> of their house. <laughs> you got that new Sag Lilu crystal. Yeah. Clap. Uh, can't you buy those off the website that you were discussing in the last <laughs> podcast? Not a sponsor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Get actualized with your Callius Sag Lilu Lilu. <laughs> God. But basically, your, uh, the beginning bring of this. Your force into balance. <laughs> bring your force into balance with this crystal, even if you're not a Jedi. That's <laughs> true. Um,. But we get kind of like this, at the beginning of the book, uh, they're trying to find out where the clones are coming from. So Luke is chasing them down. He's really only showed up at this uh, city to try to find out if this is a funneling place for the clones. They believe this is the clones are coming through this. Right. And we get kind of a cool action scene in all of this. Right, like he he meets up with Talon Card, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. T- and Talon's like, "Oh, hey, so, yeah, we'll 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 find out where the clones are coming from. I'll help out as well." And as then we have this a little is all going through. There is one problem I kind of have. It's not a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Club for the moment. I'm taking the earphone out just in case you have something to say, and I apologize. Okay. But anyway, the thing that really kind of bothers me a bit. We're in space. Yes, it's this huge place, endless, endless. Yet every Empire person knows exactly the exact image of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it because it's been transmitted all around. All these people and citizens, they don't know what Luke looks like at the same time? Uh, well, I mean, and yeah, well, I agree and, with and you. And that's just something that, you know, you want someone to go on this secret mission to find this thing and not be noticed. Luke really seems like the worst possible person to be this person looking for it. <laughs> because... He's kind of noticeable with the one lightsaber no, no, really in the world. Jedi. And Klob does have something to say here. So, Klob? Uh, Neil, I agree with you here. Put on a different cloak. Instead um, of the black one? <laughs> put, 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 put on a disguise, for crying out loud. He's wearing, his, he's wearing his black outfit with the Jedi cloak, and he's got the lightsaber where you can, where you can kind of see, see it, it underneath the cloak. Put on a disguise. Uh, put on a fake mustache and some glasses. Take a page, <laughs> it's take a page it's the, the exact same shirt and pants he's wearing when he killed the Emperor. <laughs> Yeah, take a page out of the MCU. Put on a put on a ball cap and a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> nobody knows who you are. <laughs> at the same time, that is one thing that has never been established in the Star Wars universe up until this point. Again, we're going with ball cap. Nothing else has happened. But as far as how many people actually know who Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. is, like we find out 
you get this intimation that he's a, a famous hero, but we never really see. I know it's in books and everything yeah. else, but like, what does their media look like? How do people know what Luke looks like? Right, Club. Well, and go back to uh, going back a couple books for us to the weird bloodletting books that we read. <laughs> um, I feel like the emperor. I, I feel like the empire could have like the little. The little signs that are on, you know, light posts and everything yes. within a city yes. so that, yeah. you know, you could you could flash stuff up there about, you know, five billion M- empire credit award reward if you turn this guy in. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think this just goes back to the trope of this is a high fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so our heroes traipsing around as his usual heroic garb. I, I think the the, the, am- the immensity of the universe is yeah. plays into their favor here. I agree. Yeah, like I, I do, I do believe, like kind of like episode seven movie, mm-hmm. like where Ray knows their names. Yeah, but right. like you know, sees Han Solo in front of her and doesn't know who he is. Yeah, no, like I, she, I agree she with knows that. the. They, they all know the stories, yeah. but they right. don't know the faces. Right, right. Well, he's also older, and I do he's... feel in some ways that's because <laughs> Star Wars is set up as a completely alternate universe, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it, in some ways, you could say we've never seen televisions or anything like that. You don't really get this mm-hmm. idea that people are sitting around their little huts mm-hmm. watching Friday night football. Yeah. I, you know, so well, maybe the the images. This is an alternate universe, you well, know. But at the same time, in I know it's one we never speak of. Attack of the Clones. No, but it's true. Yeah. When they go into the bar in the first start and stupid earphone phone <laughs> fud fud. And can we let's just throw it out here now so everybody knows uh, because we have to uh, we're on Skype and we have to wear earbuds. If we sound weird or we're talking weird, it's because we have weird delayed echo going through mm-hmm. our heads. It's really difficult. And it's to really talk. bothering at times. It's so really difficult to talk. But going to my point I'm here, sorry. In- <laughs> I'm sorry and thank you. Okay. Going to my Mara point Jade here. appreciates yeah. it. So do I. They're in there worrying about it the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I keep seeing Cloud's mouth move, but I have my earphone out, so I don't actually hear him. But in (laughs) pooped in my house, so I'm kind of weirded out about it now. So I want to make sure she doesn't do it again. In my house. Okay. In Attack of the Clones, there's that moment when they're chasing down the assassin, and they head into a bar. And on the screen, there are screens of fake football, if you will, that are up there. So there are Mm. these moments where there are these things where it is shown on there. So I can. Going back to Klob's thought with the Darker Shade of Magic series that I'll not just call the Bloodletting series because I liked it, damn it, is that... <laughs> I did have, too. Yeah, those emo you. books. It's those emo oh, books. Dang. But the fact that there might be that kiosk that Spin-off shows... coming soon from Luke and Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you the, guys go through them. There might be that kiosk where it shows, hey, this is who we're looking for, and that picture might be disseminated throughout the world. I mean, there's Jedi holocrons that have all this information on them. Why can't there be a kiosk that's set up on every street? No, I, I agree. I, I Again, I just think it's a gimme. It's yep. a gimme for this series that he's got to be in his hero garb. But wow. yeah. it is a it is a gimme for the series. And if you, if you think about it, if you're in Vegas or you're in L.A. or and you bump into Joe Namath or you bump into uh, Drew Brees or whatever, even if they're wearing their jersey, you, you're going to have those few moments of is that really Drew Brees? Yeah, yeah, right. No, it's not. No way. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but how many X-Wings happen to conveniently fly by themselves in this universe? <laughs> well, you, Luke's. How common is an X-Wing? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, apparently <laughs> it's the only ship that the Republic has based on what How common is a civilian X-Wing? Yeah. Uh, well, it's probably the same. Which, the let's not even get into that weird conversation. <laughs> how did Luke end up... As a civilian using... He's right. a war hero. We already covered this. <laughs> this like three episodes ago. That's true. Come on! 
Patton never got a tank. <laughs> yeah, Patton doesn't go home to his wife. It's like, hey, honey, I got this tank they gave me. All right, anyway. Well, if, you're, uh, if we're being historically accurate, it's Patton going home to his wife going, hey, honey, I got a tank. <laughs> his voice wasn't that high. Um, yeah, but, but there was anyway, no George C. Uh, we Scott this either. kind of a download on cloning here that I kind of like. In the middle of kind of, we, we kind of phase back and forth between what's happening. Um, and we get Card and Thrawn again. Um, and uh, or Card tells Luke that the clones need at least a year to grow if not three to five years. Yeah. But Luke says that the clones they faced were grown in 15 to 20 days. Which, which is a bomb drop. This, like, at this point, just a worry that, hey, he's, he's got a supply of clones that he can grow really fast. Yeah. Well, and, and this is supposed to be a done, done, done moment, too. Yeah. Where it's which, you know, to, where, actually, where in the, like, the 25th reading of this, there's, it's not done, done, done anymore. Mm. <laughs> when you know what's going on. But, well, yeah. yeah, but it's not supposed to be the 25th reading. No, of I agree. When, I you, agree. When, you're, when you're looking at this, the first time you're reading this, and it's like, well, no, they're supposed to take years to go. Well, these guys took a couple of weeks. Oh, crap. What yep. the hell do we yep. do now? Exactly. Yep. Uh, I, I like this, that Thrawn, again, is actually kind of uh, nailing all the boxes of the Sun Tzu war theory here. He's got his ships and men and food. The army crawls on its belly. He's got his supply lines. Um, again, why this wouldn't make the greatest movie is because it's a, maybe a little bit, at times, too in the weeds, uh, cerebral about warfare in some ways. You know, it's it's yeah. not doesn't necessarily have the... Epic scope. But that's Star mm. Wars, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, there's kind of a throwaway thing that happens here with this Governor Staffa. I thought this was going to be a thing. Yeah, I actually, you know, I, I don't even remember that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a throwaway thing where the governor's watching him, sees Luke. Uh, he's got this little henchman named Fingal. <laughs> this reminds me of the gummy bears. Count Dooku, or Dookie and Toadie. <laughs> oh, oh, Toad? Clap. Yeah. Well, and I agree with you, Bob. Is I expected this to be much more of a thing where you have you've you've brought in this governor now, and now you've brought in his weird little traitor henchman, and it should yeah. be it should be more of a thing. It seems like he's putting this really big emphasis on it in the book too. Like dun dun dun. Like here's another dun 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 moment, and you figure something's going to happen here. It's just really throwaway. He funnels oh, the information so back to the emperor and or empire, and that's it. And and I will say here too. Again, we have to look at the time period where this is written in the 90s. Yeah. And so is this is is this Bush and Cheney? <laughs> um, I think it's a little farther back than that. <laughs> okay, yeah. is this original Bush and Quail? Yeah. Well, it would still be Cheney as well would be in there, but yeah. It so this would, would be yes. Bush senior. Good. But, uh, uh, at this senior. time he would have been setting up the shadow government. Um, <laughs> Illuminati. So anyway, let's let's get out of this. Yeah, hey, let's get no, the chapter let's go to three. Mara. 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 Mara wakes up in an Imperial medical room because, as we know, Clob, right? She's been sick. She's been ingesting too much peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Mara. <laughs> but she turns. She runs into Ghent, uh, right? The slicer. So she yeah, runs into somebody familiar. I like slicers, right? Still. Yeah. Uh, turns out she's on Coruscant and she's been out of it for a month. Yes. That's yeah. So pretty much quick download on what's happening. Club. I just want to say this right now, and I want to approach the character of Ghent, because I really like Ghent as this kid slicer character that's mm-hmm. with a lot of these older people. 
Yep. Yeah. And uh, I, young. I, again, you can kind of look at it as a trope now, but at the time it was just, did you pick that up? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, listening. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but it's, you know, it's the whiz kid who is just kind of hanging out with the warriors going, I'm just waiting to be told something. But you know what, Club? I'm going to throw out that this is how I like my young adult. Like, Ghent is kind of a young adult character, but he's with a bunch of older people who are wise and battle-weary, you know, and he can occasionally come through. He has his place. Uh, You know, he can outsmart people sometime, but at the same time, he's not the end-all, be-all. I see it as, and we lost Club for a little bit here, so we'll cover for him for the moment, but... I see it as the fact of, hey, here's this young, new teacher coming in, and mm-hmm. you have all these old ones who are still doing certain things certain ways, and, hey, can you help me print this? Yes, I can help you print this. Yeah. <laughs> or it's that generational change where you've right. got the young coming up, and he happens to be more of a tech-savvy person, not as much of the fighting right now, right. who knows how his skills will translate into what they actually right. need. Mm-hmm. Again, I like this yeah. idea of when somebody, I like him. somebody yeah. who's young and knows what they're doing uh, in their field comes yes. in, and if they're super young, they they add or enhance the team. Correct. But they're not like a lot of how YA novels are, where it's the young young one who knows everything. They're just a Swiss right. Army knife of skills that it's can do everything. One specific yeah. thing. Yeah. Gent is a cool young adult a protagonist that people, uh, probably a lot of young 90s readers would have been like, you know, young, into mm. computers, into programming, and been like, Gent is my guy. Cool. You know, mm-hmm. but... Uh, but but let's leave Ghent. Let's let's no. talk about Winter. Because I still think Winter should have had a bigger part in these books. <laughs> I do like Winter. I still like Winter. And now that we have the comic in front, I like Winter. And more. if you like her, um, you know, I mean, Stackpole, look to Stackpole with his X-Wing novels. There's more there. There's a lot that was done with the X-Wing uh, comics mm-hmm. uh, that, that he's in, so or that she's in. So, yeah, I, I do. I like uh, Winter I like the character well. in the possible back of she's the, the fact that she's the dupe. Of Leia, yeah, when need be, in and I like that she's got, interesting. Spot. She's got a cool name. She was called Targeter, and and we find out she has a perfect memory. And I, I'm forgetting that were we let in on the other two books that she has this photographic memory and can remember everything. I think it was kind of like let on with the um, it was the hollows yes. of Sabaoth because she's oh I remember him he, he looked like this and oh, he was this all fantastic person. Winter carrying along with this whole her memory now when they're walking through the palace. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, where's this still Delta source that's around as they're walking through the yeah. palace? Because it's always hanging over. And like you said in the previous books, this seems more where it's like, okay, maybe Winter is Delta, Delta source. Because, oh, yes. oh, she's got this memory. It's a thought. I personally don't believe that she no. ever was because I no. like Winter. But yeah. the fact of maybe it's her. She knows all these things. She can mm. say everything back in perfect detail to them. Right. Darn you, Zon, for trying to... Turn winter over to you know, the dark no, side. I, I, in all honesty, I think it's something he should have played with more. Yes, There's so much going more. on these books. Actually, anyway. I, I thought that's what he was playing at. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the I same, thought he but was, I never felt it as true though. That's yeah. the thing. It felt yeah. too empty. Like no, that's way too obvious yeah. for sure. Well, and I thought but, he played up towards it more in the first book. Didn't do it at all in the second book. Right. And this book didn't really try at all. No, I, I feel like Delta Source was kind of a drop ball. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah like, it it didn't just, go a lot of places. No, no. It no. was just kind of something that came up every once in a while. 
That's and true. I, and and I, I definitely, I, I know what he was going for with like, okay, it is super secret, so he's not going to bring it up a lot. Right. But also, like, you should have brought it up more. You should have built it up to be more of a thing. Yep. And totally made like this whole thing with Winter or you know somebody else. Right. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna still hold it up as the first book of this trilogy is by far the strongest. And I think when yeah, you go back sure. to the first, first yeah. book, a lot of what they're getting from Delta Source is things that you have just seen in a previous scene. You know. As you go through the second book, that drops off. And by the third one, Delta Source almost seems like it doesn't matter if it's there or not. You know, like, what is he doing with Delta Source? Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like it matters to the movement. Well, it mattered a little in the fact of the whole, okay, how are we going to get off this planet when later stuff happens? And then they're starting to look for Delta Source more because, but it was really one chapter. Right. There wasn't too much more on it. No, true. I, I agree with I agree with that. Um, I like that Mara has been to the Imperial Palace so much uh, that he, she knows where all the hidden weapons are. And if you pull out a little tome in the library called "The Complete History of Corvus Minor," there's a gun in there. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody would pull that. Um, <laughs> Who would grab the history books? Yeah. 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 So well, I, I actually goodness, like that this the palace has wood and everything and has a feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Cloud. What? I did. Thank goodness there's not a kid doing a research project. Oh, kids and research projects. Well, what are they going to be looking for in the palaces one, though? It's probably not the main library. <laughs> well, you know when you're assigned that random, like, um, okay, you weren't here yesterday, so you get Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Uruguay? <laughs> now we've offended our Uruguay listeners. Okay. Thrawn and Pelion, though, argue with a Sabaoth who wants a full frontal attack on Coruscant. Because he's still after Leia's children again. (laughs) Just let him go, man. Yeah. No, I need those children. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I get here is that uh, Zahn is setting up kind of maybe the flaw of the Emperor as well, that this lack of self, self-control self and pompous arrogance of Jedis um, or of, of dark Jedis um, is what led the Emperor to create two Death Stars, yeah. right? Like, Sabiath is actually going for kind of ridiculous sometimes mm-hmm. power-driven ends, and you feel like in some way he's explaining, Zahn is trying to explain why the Emperor Emperor would lead himself to not once but twice create this giant flawed Death Star. Yeah. You know, which is kind of cool. I like that flesh out. I like the fact of um, where we get in Thrawn and Sabbath. Sabbath, you never speak to the Emperor like that. (laughs) Yeah, I have. Four times. I'm still alive. I like that too. (laughs) But it's Thrawn. I mean, and on his side of things, think about the fact that the Emperor is basically a notorious racist. Mm-hmm. Speciest, alienist, yeah. all these things. Yeah. Yet the one blue Grand Admiral is willing to speak up to him. Yeah. Makes me wonder how terrified the other ones were of actually speaking yeah. up to him. I agree. Yeah. And I like that yeah. Thrawn is going to slight the Nogri here and say, hey, I'm sending in a commando team to Coruscant yeah. to get the twins, and it's not Nogri this time. It's it's humans. And with Rook standing right there, you know. Okay, so. at this point, it's going to come up since we already said the summary part, the listeners yes. who haven't read the last time. It doesn't matter. They should know. This really bothers me throughout the book. Really? When we get to the final climax of the thing. What's that? In the end, as you already said during our summary, yep. Rook goes and kills Tron. Yep, betrays him. Yep. Why didn't he do it earlier? 
Why is it conveniently at the moment of where everything is hitting all at the same time? The, the because there's this moment, Nogri have been insulted, their honor has been besmirched, yet Rook, from assuming what all the Nogri are able to communicate with each other, with the ways that they have been, he probably already knows that Thrawn has been lying to him. I th- so why has he not at this moment gone, no, I'm done with this? Because... It's too convenient of a... It just got way too convenient for me that, oh, the battle's going bad. Thrawn is getting ready to... Oh, Rook killed him. We'll get, we're going to have to wait maybe till we get till there. we get to that final but part. I but think, this is something no, that will show I agree. throughout in my mind is why. I think the reason is, and I'll have to go back and look at what is actually said there. Yep. But I think maybe we're supposed to think uh, that he doesn't know. Rook doesn't know for sure because maybe he stays on the Chimera. I don't know what... Mm-hmm. But the reason I think that what triggers him is he hears that there's a Nogri uh, battle group on Wayland, and Wayland has fallen. And I think that's maybe be. the fine that because that's when he stabs him. Right. Is I think, and I don't know if that's some sort of confirmation that hey, the Nogri. Because in some ways you could, this is probably a conversation for that next episode. Mm-hmm. But right. in some ways you could say like. Uh, Rook is not uh, about necessarily forwarding the the new republic mm. he's about protecting his own people right and, and so it killing grand admiral thrawn now might not be best for his people but finding out that wayland has been taken down and that all of thrawn's plans are over you know maybe this is the time now to take him out and there won't be retribution against his people you know, because he doesn't care. About, I don't think he yet doesn't care about the about republic. The no, I still don't think he cares about the republic. Yeah, we get to that final spot. But the fact that he killed him right there, and when Pelion retreats, yeah, in my mind, Pelion's first thought would be, "Okay, revenge on the Nogri," and that would be a worse moment for him. Whereas right now, right. maybe it would be less. But right, maybe listeners will provide some thoughts in there, and we'll yeah, talk about sure. it more in the next episode. I just want to bring that up now. That it's a this is something yeah, that sure. really bothers me throughout the time with Rook. O- Rook, 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 always being there, but he doesn't do anything until yes. the convenient moment where yes. everything happens. And I think it's yeah. hard because I don't think we know when he knows what the rest of the Nogri know. Right. That's too many knows. Too many knows. <laughs> so anyway. So I want to just pipe in on the Nogri thing. Yeah. Um, with the Nogri, again, I don't think a lot of the Nogri trust either side at this point once the mm-hmm. whole fallacy of rebuilding the planet has been exposed right and so i think a lot of them like rook are kind of waiting to see what's going to like you said what's going to be best for their people and who's going to actually come out on top on this thing right i agree for okay. sure good end yeah. Um, so anyway, Luke goes to Poderis in Chapter 4. Still wearing his Jedi uniform again. <laughs> because he wants to be conspicuous. <laughs> <He's>, yes. <laughs> um, he is cornered by troopers wearing Yasalmari frames. Um, and Luke uses his lightsaber to do some cool escape moves. You know how earlier, Bob, you'd said the Yasalmari caused so many problems with things? Yeah. This is where I really saw it of, okay, this is the convenient plot hook to mm. lessen Luke. More so in this book than the other one. Of, I wouldn't okay, say this is conven- again. I would not say this is a convenient plot. No, no, no. How you said earlier it was a big thing of, okay, it neuters the force powers and stuff. Oh, I'm, That's what I'm saying. Now it starts showing even more to me now of, okay, oh, every time, wherever Luke's going, someone is always there to take his one ace in the hole so he's got to actually think a little more. Yeah, which I like. I, I, I like, like that. 
Well, my thought, well, my thought was on, on the Yasalamurai was, was that this is a positive thing, that you want to neuter your super powerful character. Well, and I think that this scene, too, shows, um, again, that like we talked about in, with, with, the, with this entire series is the fallibility of Luke. Yeah, you know, we start off. We start off at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, and he just shows up and seems almost infallible as he walks into Jabba's hut, and then also he doesn't realize the trap door. And again, here I think he, we we see that fallibility. We see that human aspect of him, where he, yes, he's a master because he's the only one left, mm-hmm. but he's still trying to figure out what's going on with everything, and he's he's really not a master. No, no, he's still more of a knight who hasn't figured everything out yet. Which I think is a good place for him to be. Yeah, I think you need to change it up that he is not a master at the end of Jedi. Oh God, no. If you're going to continue that arc into hundreds of books, I mean, he can't be a master. Yeah, even just yeah. the way that it happens at the end of uh, episode six where he says, I am a Jedi master. Well, no, you don't get to decide that. Yeah, right. That's not how That's it works. That's how you turn to the dark side. Which I think there was this conscious re- why is I think there's this conscious resetting of his powers, right? In this book where he's like, no, uh, you know, he's questioning himself. And I think you need that in your hero because your hero can't be infallible. Whether it's Hercules, whether it's Luke Skywalker, whether it's Perseus, whether it's anything that you're going from on this hero's journey, your hero needs to be fallible. Yep. Right. I think my problem with the uh, Salamurai, and I don't really have a problem with it, is that then they never come back again. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. he set up something that's a little bit too useful in the yeah. galaxy, and so why isn't constantly being used after this? Uh, well, because they're so rare. Right. Only on the and one maybe planet, only, only the Emperor knows where Only Thrawn knew how to do yeah. it, and all of his people die, I guess yeah. you could say. Well, that makes sense. You know? I don't know. And Luke's not going to tell nobody. <laughs> Why would he do such a thing? But he, he's uh, edging his uh, saber through a wall and running. and it's super cool. I like The comic book's really cool. With the comic the book's one. really cool, but the audiobook is really weird. Um, so I've read the book and the lesson to the audiobook, and yeah, there is times where the audiobook, I would say, is not the way to go just because you're at the mercy of the interpretation of the author and the voices right. and things, and it doesn't always work out. And I don't know that this scene didn't work out, but I will tell you, uh, especially in the last book, I thought uh, audiobooks stay away from because all of the no-gri stuff can be kind of ruined. It can just be made ridiculous. Club, what do you got? I, I'm going to argue with you, Bob, here, because I really liked this scene in the audiobook. This was one of the couple yeah. scenes that I, I went through with the audiobook. I really felt the tension in the audiobook, jumping on the building, kind of half sliding off, thinking he's going to run off the other edge, and then there's just a wall. Yeah, actually, and I'll retract my statement. I agree with you. Any action scenes that happen amongst uh, human characters, I think, actually are done really well in the audiobook. I guess I'd throw it back to both the Wookiee and the the um, Nogri scenes that, in all honesty, those get ruined, I, I well, think, it, in the audiobook. Because although he's trying his best, they sound kind of ridiculous and can, you know. Well, and this can this can really, in the audiobook, um, again, it goes back to Zahn's writing because it still is Zahn's writing, even being heard orally. Right. Um, especially when he's kind of peering over the edge, trying to figure out where where the guys coming after him are. I think it's done really well the way that Zahn uses the language there in order to show us how like scary this is and how intense this is for him as he's peering the one eye over the side of the uh, over the side of the roof. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And I this continues on into his escape, right, in space. He gets into his X-Wing, and, and Thrawn is there waiting in the Star Destroyer. And I really like this part where Luke uses this little, you know... Is this where he does the whole uh, launching of the missile at the tractor beam and all that kind of stuff to escape? I think is so. The, is this the part it's another yeah, and this is, that he does conveniently again? Yeah, it's this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really like all this go- stuff. Uh, and again, Thrawn allows the Ensign to live, uh, which I like. He, he goes and gives him a kind of detailed questionnaire of like, what did you do? What can you do different next time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a rubric in front of him. <laughs> which is good too, though, because instead of, you know, typical Vader style, kill a yeah, he's helping them learn a little bit, but some will still die. But which some I, will also learn. Which I think is imp- a, a, a big distinction. If you look at a lot of authors who even come after Zahn when they start writing Star Wars, um, their bad guys are always shades of Vader or the Emperor, where they're super killing everybody and they're tr- they're trying to be as as bloodthirsty as possible. I like that Thrawn is a cool hand like this. Well, and, you know, looking at this, you know, this poor guy here who's sitting, who's sitting here. Okay, well, you've partially met your standard. What can we do to have you exceed your standard? You (laughs) shut your face right now. I am done with you for the rest of this episode. Clob, you are not allowed to speak. (laughs) There's one other thing I want to pipe in before because the comic reminded me of it. I liked as Luke is looking through all the different places where he could go. And then he goes, ah, Kessel. I could possibly go to Kessel. <laughs> Solo has ruined this for me because I'm sitting there thinking, God, how what the heck is he going to do trying to go yeah. to this Kessel? I mean, he's got to go through that whole space cloud that has this only yeah. one direction and they're probably watching everything. <laughs> oh, uh, cannon. <laughs> and I actually really love this drop line because uh, the next uh, trilogy, which we are doing after this, will have Kessel in it. And he drops the line of Morith Duel is in, in control of Kessel. So that makes me think he must have, by this book, been talking to Kevin J. Anderson, who was writing the next trilogy, and knew who he was setting up as being in control of Kessel and all that kind of stuff, mm. which is kind of cool. But See, in my mind, Kessel looks like Kevin J. Anderson's Kessel oh, and nothing like what we My Kessel about. looks like Solo. But he decides to go to visit the Nogri instead. Yeah. Which is a nice touch. Exactly. Now that the son of Vader goes and visits instead of just only Lady Vader. Right. Class- so, so we're at well, and again, we're, we're kind of we are kind. I will fight this a little bit because we're recycling this thing from the last from the last book, where on his escape he blew out power cells. He just didn't blow out quite as many, so he's not stuck in space, but he's only got mm-hmm. so far that he can actually go. All right, so we're into chapter five, um, and it's politics, politics, politics. Everybody's sitting around a table, Akbar and Failia, and Failia's acting like a whiny little baby. I Ooh. thought Failia wasn't going to exist anymore at all. Yeah, actually. true. I Very thought Failia was going to be in a prison somewhere right. for being a butthead. Yeah. I like that he's playing. <laughs> I couldn't, a traitorous. Traitorous butthead. Yeah. <laughs> I, butt I like, though, that now that Failia's no longer being an active Prick. Remember, yeah. Yeah, that now through his, like, martyrdom, self-imposed martyrdom, he's also screwing everything. Yes. <laughs> he just can't win, really. God, kids, don't be a failure. Exactly, don't Bob. be a failure. Well, and that's part of Bothan culture, is he lost, so now he's got to be sulky. And he's not, he, right. since he lost the first time, Bothan culture dictates him to not say anything and to kind of sit in the corner for a while. Right. I feel that should be a motivational poster. Don't be a complete and utter failure. You're in trubs. We posted that somewhere. <laughs> we did. We? Hashtag Motivational Monday. Check us out on Twitter. Don't be a failure. Don't be a failure. Yeah, don't be a failure. It was Neil's uh, little photo. 
But yeah. this uh, this chapter is full of all kinds of fun. We also have Jedi birth. Oh God. I uh, let me talk to you. Let me let me talk you through my experience on this chapter. <laughs> okay. So I I'll be a uh, midwife. <laughs> so I I did the audiobook. Never read the real book. Um, I am driving. I I had to drive about uh. About an hour. Yeah. About an hour down to a meeting for work. I'm driving alone, so I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll just put the audiobook on, I'll drive. And just sitting alone, <laughs> listening to this, <laughs> I seriously, like, the cringe factor was at 120%. It took everything in me not to skip this. Like, my, my, my finger kept going to the, the next button yeah. on my stereo and my vehicle. And I'm like, no, no, it's for the podcast. You got to stick it through for the podcast. <laughs> and like, like, just, oh my God. Like, I just, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a woman. In any mean, Mara, no. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm not she a woman in that. any means. Mara concurs. <laughs> just like going through and like feeling the twins inside of you and Hans like are you okay Leia like a thousand times I'm like and and, and and on top of that the audiobook is a man reading to you a pregnancy scene and I, it just nothing about it felt right right yeah <laughs> some dude describing like contractions and how babies feel inside of you. Like, no, no, no. Uh, it was written by a man, it was read by a man, being listened to by a man, and I knew it was wrong. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna try to pull out the one nugget that I like. You out okay, of all this. <laughs> Okay. What I like about this is maybe there's this kind of cool, not super explored oh undercurrent God, in this book. Are, are you okay, Leia? <laughs> not that. Not that. We've already established oh, yeah. this idea. Jeez. I'm done. I'm done. We've established this idea in this book about the clones being grown, and we'll find out uh, that in the absence of the force, they can be grown faster. And that grown in the force warps their mind if they're grown too fast. I like this idea that we also get here about the twins and their growth together in the force. So we got a lot of this idea of both kind of the bastardization the Empire is doing mm -hmm. of growing young in the force or absence of the force. And then you, I'm going to throw it out, juxtapose <laughs> that with, with kind of the supposedly beautiful, natural childbirth in the Force, you know, uh, that Leia's twins are undergoing. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just thought there's lots there that could be talked about, which mm -hmm. we won't talk about, but I think it's, it's kind of cool. Well, yeah. especially not know, personally not having read the later mm -hmm. extended edition books. Yeah. Extended universe books on how you're saying that it plays more into the fact that they have that connection. Yeah. You know, I, oh, for if sure. I had more, you know, honestly, yeah, what, what was missing, but. what I would have liked was, like, Leia, like, tapping into, like, some something that she was familiar with. Force pull. Yeah. Like, in those twins, because she... <laughs> yeah, why isn't Luke there just pulling them out in your utero? Just, oh, <laughs> because she is a Force-sensitive twin. Yeah. Like, why isn't yeah. there, like, more of, like, a, like, oh, like, all of a sudden, like, a, like some sort of, like, weird memories fly? I don't... It was, it, this was just wrong. Mm. Some Something about this, I, I don't know that it could have been done right, but I think it could have been done better. Right. It's Club. Well, and I like the idea, like Bob says, um, the difference between Force-sensitive people and non-Force-sensitive people, mm. and how uh, Leia talks here a little bit about the, how she kind of feels sorry for Han. Yeah. <laughs> 
because Han will never understand what his children are experiencing. But not if, you, it's not, the, if you, not if you keep going this extended universe because Han gets force powers. It's kind of like the religious wife lamenting how her husband will never experience heaven and is going straight to hell. <laughs> Sorry, was that on. too far? On. So before <laughs> we go into six, we get what I thought okay, was a nice scene that got okay, me. Leia. Where we get to Wedge again, and I I really like Wedge chapters just because I, he's, I really do. He's not really that main one when you look at the whole movies. He was that tertiary character. Yeah, and you get Wedge with Rogue Squad going off, and I love the name Porkins Formation. Yeah, they do a Porkins <laughs> Formation. Which what is, is this that? suicide? Is this you <laughs> plan on your whole squad to die? The whole squad chews on pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> cover me, Porkins. We don't cover anybody in Porkins Formation. We die. First. <laughs> God. Yeah. You know that fat guy that crashed his X-wing? Yeah. We hey, got a formation. Hey, hey, go weapons cold. We're uh, we're just gonna die. <laughs> Put S-foils back into non-attack <laughs> position. We're going in. Yeah. <gasps> Poor Porkins. Porkins formation. Oh, man. Um, but we but, see uh, Bell Iblis take control and saves the day on this whole yep. thing. Mm. Yeah. And he comes in. and Which is interesting, though, because earlier they talked about he hadn't joined in and the whole him and the sexual tension with Mon Mothma. Right. But now, hey, I'm here. I will save you all. Yeah. And But they didn't. she didn't ask him to come back yet. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. And I think that Garn Bellibus is being set up as Thrawn's antithesis, right? Yes. His foil. Like, uh, the reason he brought him in is because you need somebody as smart. As far as the main players we have, we have Luke and Han and Leia. None of these people are should be people in positions, you know, where you're, you know, commanding navies. No, no, you know? no, no. And I think we've... For whatever reason, Zahn has decided that um, that Mon Mothma is not going to be that person mm-hmm. either. Well, and so he's it, bringing in his own character to offset Thrawn. Well, I do think that she shouldn't be in charge of the military force. She no. is more of a political she leader. She's political. And that's yeah. why, look at the last example that they had in um, Return of the Jedi. They had Akbar. Mm-hmm. Right. He was really their only military commander that was shown. Right. I mean, I know a lot of spots on the internet make fun of the comments during the Battle of Hoth when they're leaving that Leia's the one giving orders to the pilots. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and I think family got made fun of it of why are you giving us orders? When have you been flying planes and all that type of stuff? <laughs> and I mean it is an actual thought. It was so now having Bell come in is a yeah. good touch because he has that background of fighting Navies. It's really weird to still say navies. Yeah, yeah, it is a the space navy. navy. Space navy. Space force. Space force. <laughs> anyway, chapter six. I'm done with space force. <laughs> <laughs> so the wild card comes out of hyperspace into the Chazwa system, and uh, Card and Avis talk about getting involved in the search for the clone pipeline. Uh, Avis is not really about this. He's like, hey, uh, so why are we looking for clones and? Helping the uh, New, New Republic, Republic here? Like, what's going on here? Right? Well, it makes sense, though, because Card has been saying, hey, I'm, I want to be neutral, I want to be neutral, but I'm going to go try to find this right mm-hmm. now. Right. Well, do you want to find it to sell it to the New Republic or sell it as blackmail to the Empire? Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Card. You're my hero right now. One, one or two. Yes. That's how I picture it. <laughs> and while uh, moving the space lanes here, he runs into an old acquaintance, Gillespie. 
um, mm. who's kind of another kind of kingpin. You know, I like this underworld. We got a lot of these kind of leaders of little organizations and real scuzzy boys, real scuzzy boys, right? So they were he, all at Moss Eisley. Yeah, so we got Gillespie here. He talks to him. Gillespie thinks the clones are creepy, right? But I like who they, <laughs> how they still like want to play off of each other, yeah. like or play off of both sides. Hey, you know, we don't really want to align with the Empire. We don't want to align with the New Republic. We want to make money off of both ends. Mm. And Card is trying to throw out the hey, help us and join the alliance and that kind of thing. It's not really working out. But their conversation is interrupted by Imperial Lancer ships incoming, and they say that they will meet in eight days in the Troga system. Freaking uh, Trobus. Yeah, Card Trobus. helps out Gillespie to escape these Lancers. So that's kind of cool. Mm. Well, yeah, and uh, is this the moment where they talk about how, Kate, do you want to let everyone you know arrive at this system? Is this that yeah. moment or am I ahead? Is yeah, that? they're getting close to... Well, they're all going to arrive at that, this system. No, 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 not just him and Gillespie. It's all the smugglers that they can bring in at this point. Yeah, and is they're that not, where they're saying, hey, yes. could you tell this information yeah. out? Clap. What's well, up? this is actually the point where Card actually make, makes a statement to himself where, well, if I tell Gillespie, everybody's going to show up because he right. can't keep yeah, his yeah, mouth yeah. shut. Yep, yeah. Which yeah. is great. You pick the biggest gossip in the world, and all the smugglers will know. Right. But I like Gillespie. Gillespie's a good guy. You know, he's not Niles Ferrier here. <laughs> yeah. and with this part, though, of the fact that it's all about card, this really made the back of the book, mm-hmm. the back cover of the book, kind of annoy me because it says that um, Han and Chewbacca are struggling to form this coalition of smugglers. They don't do anything. No, they don't do anything. <laughs> the back of the book nothing. is saying, oh, it's Han and Chewie, and I'm waiting. Han and Chewie are in here. When is this moment where Han and Chewie come and get all the smugglers together? You don't judge a book by its back cover. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Even if it blatantly lies. The temp wrote that one. Never never read the book. Never read it. (laughs) Well, you cover the main character. You don't bring in Kurt at that point. And then we go to Thrawn at this point. Yeah, exactly. So Thrawn, meanwhile, is meeting with the leader uh, of the team going to capture Leia and the twins. Um, He brings up this... Emrys art that they do nothing in three dimensions. Um, what do you mean? So again, we get this kind of like play on how card or uh, sorry, Thrawn sees like, card breaks breaks down art and tries to okay you know manipulate or, or read into a person. And this Emrys art, we get to see uh, how he again is reading a species and how they don't think in three dimensions. So that's how he's going to use a tactic against them when he attacks, right? Um, and that's what he'll be used to draw out the Coruscant fleet. Um, poor Lando, they talk about hitting him again in Niklan. <laughs> poor Lando. He can't win ever, period. Poor, poor Lando. When does he actually get money? How does he actually done these things? Yeah. Darn gamblers. Lando is like that guy that throw, shows up and you're just like, so how are you making money? Like, how do you end up with all yeah. this money? <laughs> Keeps playing some back. I guess so. <laughs> so chapter seven, uh, Luke enters the Ongor system. I don't even know. How do they say it? I listen Hanar. to the audiobook. Honor. 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 Planet of the Nogri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much this is where Luke is intercepted because, right, he kind of blew out his engines again and he yeah. has to show up somewhere. He shows up. In the- this part I didn't like. Can I talk about how I don't like this part? You, don't you like may part. talk about this. I don't like this part, and this is why. Is I love the Nogri. I love mm-hmm. Hongar. This is where Luke goes too far. He's like, 
my sister just went and is trying to convince these guys to come in. They've been betrayed yeah, for, for is, decades. Forced. Like, I'm just going to show up, beg these guys who are really on the edge. Like, the Empire sees Luke mm. showing up. He could, like, destroy, kill them all. Kill them all. And Kill them up. Really, all you get out of it is like some repeat, like um, what they even say that they're cloud speeders, just like on Bespin. Yeah. <laughs> when they're coming in, they get like it's just Luke in somebody else's shoes from the movies who, that came before. Yeah, and that's we, all it is. We get like a retread of kind of the uh, environmental statement before of like, oh, their world is wasted and destroyed. Oh, but they. Well, I guess you do get that. The there are, is that hidden. Oh, you get to go visit that the valley, hidden, the Lost Valley. The lo- oh yes, the Lost Valley where Little Neck and his friends live. Kolobacek. Uh very much the Garden of Eden imagery here too, as we come mm. in, and it, oh, it's hidden from the Empire, and as long as nobody screws up, we may actually be able to do this because of your sister, and that's why we're helping you. Right. But I do agree that this this feels a little forced because all of a sudden. All of a sudden, he's here. He's they're waiting for the power cells to be delivered from the other station, and now all of a sudden, the Empire shows up. So he's stuck here, mm. right? Well, and you even feel it from the Nogri. They're like, "You should not have come. You put it at grace, put us at great danger." And you're like, "Yeah, Luke, you're an idiot. Why? Why are you here?" But there's a bigger problem that I even have here that I never even understood as a kid. And so, some of you, some, one of you guys, talk me mm. through this. Um, you have the Nogri who have been living on this planet and somehow surviving for 40 years or so since their planet has been destroyed. And yet all of a sudden here we have this very defeatist attitude of how even though now they know what has happened to them and they're, they've got droids who can clean the ground, they will never be able to restore Hongor to a planet that can sustain life. And they will have to find a new planet. Why is that jump in logic happening? They've lived on this planet for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now right. they know what's wrong. They can much more... They know that the... Essentially, the droids have been bogging this whole... They've been sandbagging mm-hmm. this entire thing. Why can't they rehabilitate their planet? Or at least make it livable? I don't understand. Or what if they're just trying to get them to leave that planet so that if retaliation does come from the Empire, they won't be able to find them? Maybe, oh, yeah, because I, I took that it. That makes more sense than any... Because like, there's many planets, you know... In, Right. Out there that they could possibly go to. Well, I'm pretty sure planets, from the chapter you you're supposed planets, to read that the Nogri planets, think they're supposed to that they forest planets, salt planets. <laughs> I'm pretty sure from the reading Lava though, planets. that uh, the Nogri believe that they can't rehabilitate their planet. That that it's done. That they need right. to leave because of the environmental catastrophe. But I don't understand why they've been living there all this time. It's a stone planet. <laughs> Hate you guys. Club, <laughs> please help us here. Yeah, Club. Um. I don't think it's that they can never leave. It's just the fact that the planet will never be what it once was, like they were promised by the Empire. The Empire promised them that they were going to clean up the planet so it could be the beautiful Nogri paradise that it once was. But now they've learned that it will never really be an entire planet again. Right. Well, but there's always going to be that residual that residual radiation or whatever it is from that but planet. You pretty much have Kabarik saying we are going to have to leave and and look for a new planet and actually in the future books they find a new planet and they move them all there. So I do think that this chapter says the, the their planet is ruined. They have to leave it. And I'm just well, going like, well, why? Uh you've been living here for 40 years and now you know what the problem is. Why why can't you f- Make it at least livable. Probably not as... I agree with you, Club. Not as beautiful, but livable. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because the because the only way it's been livable up to this point is because they've been getting supplies and basically extra food and all kinds of stuff from the Empire. Okay. And maybe they're As so the far Empire, in that the New Republic can't supply them or – um, the New Republic can't supply themselves right now, much like that. <laughs> all right. Another one. <laughs> that is true. Um, all right. So we're going off of this. Lando sits in the aftermath of the Imperial attack Poor on Nick Lando. <laughs> and they have 20 days before Nomad City is baked. But luckily, Bellabla shows up to help. I, I do feel that this is kind of a throw-out fudge uh, cha- chapter here or part to try to just add a little tension where you have Lando kind of just stranded on his mining facility until Bellabla shows up to, to rescue his butt. Mm. But it all it sets up kind of a cool idea. Like, he's stranded there. In 20 days, he's going to fry. Like, if this was a different book, maybe that's the plot. Can you get Lando off before he burns? (laughs) Whoa. That'd be a fun 20 days. Uh, Yeah, I have fun 20 days. Uh, But it kind of goes nowhere. It's just kind of thrown in there for a weird little tension. 20 days may take me 20 minutes. (laughs) Wow. But he does end up getting rescued by Bell and goes back to Corsa. Which I like, though, that, okay, I've got to ask Akbar for help. Akbar hates him. Even though (laughs) I have helped you during battles before and all this... Akbar still hates me because I used to be a smuggler. Akbar, yeah. get over it already. Right. Well, you I hold, like that, but that race they hold on to that type mm-hmm. of thing because the Mon Calamari hate smugglers. It's ingrained in them that they can't stand smugglers in any way, shape, or form. For sure. Oh. And I, I like that Zahn has set it up. That Akbar um, is kind of more of like a conservative and doesn't. Doesn't like smugglers and even never has liked Han, never has liked Lando. I like all that because then he's also though somebody in our mind that we see as a good guy, one of the guys we really like, but he's also a stumbling block yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, and you have to remember that even though they were smugglers at one point too, Akbar is so much more upset that both Han and Lando left their military commissions. Yeah, that true. they stopped being they they yeah. stopped being military, and that really for Akbar adds on. To the fact of, well, you guys were smugglers, but I let you in and you were military with me, so we were brothers in the military, and then you left that, so screw you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, chapter 8, we opened a Leia breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, move on. <laughs> something I've always wanted. Yeah, something, yeah. You know, the, the, uh, the <laughs> fictional character I was named after, his sister breastfeeding. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> Not. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Winter comes in, tells Leia that she believes Mara is an Imperial agent because she knows her code name, Targeter. Um, mm. But Leia, of course, is going to confront Mara, which I really like. Yes. Yeah, because Leia doesn't. She'll do whatever she wants. I think it's just it's, it's the that way she that she does it. I'm gonna maybe like skip ahead a little bit. Where yeah, go ahead. Like she goes yeah. back and forth a whole bunch on yeah. it. Whereas you're like, okay, I'm there, and I, oh my god, yeah. I mean, she does want to kill my brother, but like, she seems like such a good person. And then she leaves, and I'm like, but she wants to kill your brother. Oh, but she wants to kill my brother, and she like has to go like go back, yeah. and it's yeah. like, okay, okay. It's okay. weird because there's part of me that really likes this conversation because she mm-hmm. just like throws it out there. I'm gonna kill your brother. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Feisty redhead. You ever met one? <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I I do feel like this book's writing is probably the weakest. Yeah. I, like and, other and, books and, we've and, reviewed, we're in the third book, and I feel there's some padding going on. Yeah, and, it, and it's in some weird stuff. Yeah. It's in weird stuff with, like, Leia talking to Mara. And yes. 
things that don't connect as seamlessly. Yeah. I'm going to go back to if you look at the first book, things flow really well. Really well. Really well. That second one is kind of a weird uh, transition book. And this one does have some really weird up and downs. This is definitely the Return of the Jedi of the three. Um, I will actually argue with you against you here, Bob. No. Bob, you should know this because what? you have sisters. Bob. I didn't. Wasn't why, that, why are you not arguing no. against Luke on this one? That's what I got to ask. Okay, I'll argue I said I liked you. what she said about I'm going to kill your brother. Luke didn't like this part. Let's get this there argument. Was, there was some point in both your backgrounds where your sister or sisters had a conversation with the girl that you were interested in. And it was this <laughs> weird and awkward. I don't remember having a girlfriend that says, I'm going to kill your brother. <laughs> Same. Actually, you know what? You saying that well, Chris, says something. Crystal and I have talked, and there was a point. <laughs> okay, oh, maybe. <laughs> but no, no, they, they don't. They're not in a prison cell being held there because they're traitors. And then your my sister goes in like, hey, what's going on? I want to kill your brother. <laughs> There's nothing. Well, no, wait, no, no, no. At this no, point. No. In this one, though, she she's in her own, like, room, though. She's not in a prison cell at this point yet. Well, she's in a room. Right. But she can't leave. Mm-hmm. She is a prisoner. Right, but she yeah. was able to leave this room to go and get a weapon. That seems like a pretty terrible prisoner. No, right yeah, no. no. She, she was a prisoner she's, at some point. Here, but she's right? not she a prisoner is, but yet. not right no, now. Not yet. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When, where we're currently at, she'll we be, haven't She'll had, be one in a she second. She will be one when we get to this <laughs> literally next chapter. Oh, that, and that, that's that, where... Okay, I'm sorry. And that's I'm why not like, there, Neil. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, yeah. no, yeah, I'm yeah. not there. You're up there. I'm still getting there. No, yeah, yeah, no. We're, we're not in the same place. <laughs> yes. We're that's where different problems. places. Yeah, we're crossed over with the yeah. conversations because, yes. like you said earlier, Leia does go multiple times talking with Mara. Yes. Kill the brother, not kill the brother. I'm going to kill your brother. <laughs> because this is where Mara being bad comes in is yes. that she, then like after that. everything's over, she hears some footsteps outside and she's the one that sees the Imperials are coming for the baby. Yes. I like my good girl's bad. <laughs> go on. Hey, Mara. Um, I do like this little bit of retry. I actually think, Luke, that although the writing in some places gets me, really weak. Me, Luke? Yeah. Okay. That oh. although the writing gets weak in some places, then it gets really strong. In fact, stronger than some other stuff in this place. Like where you get this Mara senses danger, and then you get this. All right, Jade. Nice and easy. It's all over. Well, you know. Put her hands up, and then you retread and find out what was going on the other end to lead to that point. I thought that was kind of fun, and, and it's Lando and Garbell Iblis. Notice though that every time something is more action based is going on, better. It's much better with the yeah. writing. But when it's like you're talking about this padding giving of birth the book to counts, babies, it's like, oh, <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Political scenes. This is great. But uh, this, I think, goes back to the kind of whole, like, okay, Star Wars works best when it's an archetypal um, myth. Hero's actual journey. Hero's not. journey. Because when you try to extend out that that yeah. that whole story, well, what happens, right? Like, you, your heroes have to get married and they have to have kids. Well, it's kids kind of to weird to be in the chapter where your heroes are given birth to the kids. Yeah. You know, and it, it leads to kind of weird stuff. You know, or I don't say weird. It's okay, but you know, it's necessary. Well, and and we get up here and we get to it is weird where you watch your heroes have kids and you watch your heroes go through, you know, childbirth. Yeah, and um, the whole getting to the watching one twin come to the light and then she's like forced seeing through the other twin and what's going on here and 
I did keep envisioning that weird bot from the prequels that had the scoop. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about the that prequels. does the weird cooing and I already everything. talked about the prequels earlier. It's fine. <laughs> so, I don't know, but having been through child childbirth twice with my wife, I don't know if she'd want a floating droid with a with a giant like snow scoop <laughs> for a hand. So going back to the actual See, story. See going now. going through childbirth on my side, I just watched him slide out. <laughs> there was no scooping involved. Yeah, I it was know, just hey, he's like, here. Looking at it from like the woman's side, like you're you're laying there in a in a bunch of pain. All of a sudden, this droid comes in with a snow scooper. <laughs> and like, what are you gonna do with that? <laughs> no, but it looks like one of those things from gym class where you throw the ball uh, back the and scoopers. The scooper. What is it called? Highly. That's what yeah. it's called. Highly. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that anyway, the more you know. Leaving behind the childbirth again. <laughs> We get this whole scene of the commandos yeah, that are slowly the real hung up on this. <laughs> the commandos are sneaking in, trying to get to Leia. Yeah. Lando, Garm, they realize what's going on. They're going through. Mara's trying to help. All these different pieces are all intertwined together and all very intertwined very well together. Yeah, this, this is a cool action scene. This is a great really well. scene. And, like, I'm looking on Bob's notes here just because I like this spot. We have 60s espionage music. <laughs> and kind of, yeah, with the way that some of these things are going. Oh, no, I'm going more what is going on Golden here. Eye and 64. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but this is cool. But, I, but I at this really point. Like this. Yeah. At this point, too, it's weird 60s espionage music. But it's, like, if you look. Listen to the melody. It's still lullo- it, It's baby lullaby music. <laughs> it's just in the background. <laughs> <laughs> like if you listen closely to the melody of the '60s espionage music, it's still like um, the Rock the Cradle song or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, at, at this point, though, I do think what what Zahn has been doing incredibly well, and I think really why Mara is such a popular character is almost by this point, and we'll see it throughout the end of this book. Mara hijacks this entire book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she becomes sure. such sure. a strong character, and she is a she is a character that goes through such an arc. And by this time, um, you know, we can see she still wants to kill Luke. She's still trying to play this bad girl. But even we as readers are let in on her humanity yeah, yeah. so often. We don't care. Like yeah, yeah, kill him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Mara. Yeah. Shoot him. And, and <laughs> really, I, what what I can speak to this, like listening to the audiobook, like I don't even remember like aren't ha- or. Uh, Chewie and Lando outside a window. Yeah, or yeah Chewie's coming in with the Falcon so they can come out the window. But, like, it has, it just gets buried in, like, like Mara breaks, or she doesn't break out. She leaves her room. Yeah. Um, and Zahn does something that I'm not sure that I like or hate. Uh-huh. Where it will, like, do one character's perspective. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, something will happen, it will jump back, it will do another character's perspective up until that moment. Right. Like with Mara and... Garm. 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 Yep. I like that. I just I said it. I liked it. I really like it. I don't... I, I think I would have liked it more if it wasn't so, like, blatant at the time. Mm. If it would have been, like, you know, more hidden, like, that's what's going on. Well, and I, also... Me or you? Go ahead. Okay. The one thing that... Because... And I understand where you're coming mm. from. If he'd done this multiple times earlier, I, I would say, say throughout the, the book... Like, yeah. this is the first time he's done something like that where he jumped back, like, five minutes just to show another character. Yeah. Had he done that many times throughout, maybe mm-hmm. I'd understand it better and say, yeah. okay, this is actually kind of cool that I'm, you're showing this part. I'm totally but with you. But this yeah. is the first moment, so it's yeah, not yeah. as... A very weird thing to bring in book three. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, almost like his writing style is slightly changing in the third book or something. Yeah. 
It does. It when you come to this book too, you almost feel like he like he had an assistant, or it's one of those books where, um, like Clyde He's Fussler on, I got a really good idea. Stack Clyde Fussler does this in. a lot in his Dirk Pitt books, where oh. one guy will write one chapter and one guy will write another chapter, and they'll kind of alternate and go through. And you, but you can kind of sometimes tell who's right. writing what chapter. Oh, like Dragonlance, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Feels uh, just like Dragon. Okay, <laughs> better better reference for our podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta I bring it back. Even though it does, <laughs> it does feel at this point like, wait, where did this come from? We've yeah. never gotten this like perspective jump within a scene. We've always stayed with one character through yeah. a scene. Right, right, right. And I think a lot of that comes from in that first the early book. Maybe what we're seeing is an evolution of Zahn as a a. As with his comfort level with Star Wars. I do think in that first book, he was very beholden to the structure of the movies, and that wasn't done in the movies. And I think he, when that first book came out and it was just a, a blockbuster, by the third one, he's like, hey, I can experiment with some writing styles here. You know, yeah. I think is what's going on. He's becoming confident. Mm-hmm. And finishing the chapter off, though, now, so we can right. move along. We have the, I like how the commando leader has the whole plan of, okay, well, of course we got in here. It's Mara Jade. She let us in. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. I because like that they've it, set this up. And they set it up earlier. Of, I I think she's an Imperial agent. She yep. knew my name. Right. Oh, look. The commandos conveniently appeared right after she woke up. Right. I mean, she'd been out for a month. Yep. As soon as she woke up, boom, they're here. Yep. So, I, I like nice the presence touch. of mind nice here of Thrawn of saying, like, hey, we're sending in these commandos. But if they get captured, backup plan, finger Mora. Mm. That didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> Clavel, Clavel. <laughs> Chapter ten. Let's Chapter ten. Behind. The Trogan system. We have we talked about how how Zahn uses the word fingering way too much. Fingering uh, <laughs> sardonically. 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 No, I. Any author who uses fingering, or fingered. <laughs> I feel. What Clob? I once in college. <laughs> of course you did. God, why? Why would you chime in with that? I can't use that. <laughs> <laughs> you you wasted all that time all to come in for that. Wasted. Oh. <laughs> so, the Trogan, the Whistler's Whirlpool Tap Cafe. We're gonna have the big throwdown of. Card bringing everybody together for his big smugglers thing. It basically feels like Pride Rock from the Lion King, where like you got the zebras coming in. Like I feel that music could be playing. Simba, Simba. <laughs> Day we Everything. arrive on the planet. <laughs> Everything that I touches is yours. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, the one that. that's got the giant like it looks like a zebra called Zehethbra. Like, I feel things get a little lazy here. Like, you gotta... I don't know. It's hard to say because, like, you've got Star Wars who's been established in the first movie as having, like, hey, that's the wolf man. You know, like, a lot of that is on the nose. And I think he's going with that, that here's a thing that looks like a zebra, and he's called a Z-Hethbra. You know, but I don't know. It gets a little bizarre. There's an obvious snake person here. I don't know. It's cool. They're all He-Men figures sitting around. Mm -hmm. That's accurate. And we have this whole... Card actually trying to explain his plan to all of them. Hey, this is what I think we should do. I know we've always wanted to stay neutral, but we have these moments where this could be a benefit to us. Yeah. Uh, but 
Well, and I think that I think this too is Zahn kind of going back to um, the original trilogy where you have, you know, you have that rogues gallery of different aliens that are the bounty hunters. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now we have that. Now we have this rogues gallery of smugglers that are the different races as we stand here. Right. And again, I think that goes to Star Wars, uh, at least in its inception that first, not being super alien, where a lot of them were very much just kind of plays on Earth creatures. So I'm fine with having kind of the snake man, I guess, and the zebra lady. And, well, you know. and with that, see, I thought you were saying, well, of course, there's this snake man here. I thought you were talking about now, Farrier. <laughs> I thought you were talking about him being the snake, and He's I forgot snake. completely what the other because, because, snake. because, oh, look, Niles Farrier's here. Why is Niles Farrier here? We. You know you definitely can't trust this guy, but yeah. he's another smuggler, so you know maybe I, he has this I other actually, thought. And in one of these scenes, it's because of the audio effect used in the audio book. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to call back to episode 7 mm-hmm. that came out, The Force Awakens, um, when they're in, um, who's the short orange Maz. girl? Maz, Maz Kanata. Maz Kanata's cantina? Yep. I don't know what yep. it is. Maz's. Um, the, the person who rats them out to the Empire... Uh-huh. Oh yeah, where she kind of like she has like a snakeish yeah. like vibe to yes. her almost. The Gundam, she says something like that. She has like this weird like duality to her voice. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think it comes from this. Oh. If I'm gonna be honest, oh, like okay. it, it, like listening to the audio book, it was like the way the words were spoken. Oh, interesting. The way the audio came through. Yeah. I mean, the the audio book is obviously older. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but I think that's where they derive that from. Oh, well, that's, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Have to go back and look at that there. And we have the uh, attack that goes on. Here. So yeah, then, in, in the middle it. of their talk, they are attacked by the Imperials. And I really like how again we have something that's being set up as it can go both ways, like all the way through here. Um, Card uh, at first, this will look like, hey, the Imperials attacked us. We need to all join this smugglers union, and everything works out okay. But it will be used later, where Niles Farrier, Farrier will come out and be like, hey, Card, you set this up just to chase everybody to the cause. It makes total sense. Yes, it does. Because who is Farrier, of course, still working with? Uh, uh, Thrawn. Still and again, this Thrawn. will again where Thrawn Spoilers. where Thrawn becomes much smarter. <laughs> I feel Thrawn becomes much smarter in this book because again, this is a complete screw up by Farrier. Farrier him, Farrier hires these stormtroopers to do all of this as a play mm-hmm. to Thrawn. Thrawn hears about it, just about kills Farrier for doing Should it. And him. is like, but I can fix this. Next time you're with them, you you finger card. <laughs> you sardonically finger card. You sardonically finger card. Because I know that this is how smugglers will respond because of the artwork that they've stolen means this. And this is how this. And these smugglers will do this. I've looked at Zehathbra art. No, not even that. Just smuggler art. <laughs> I applaud you, Neil. <laughs> let's go back to... Let's go back to the heroes. Let's go back. Let's so, go back. Chapter 11. Well, chapter 11, Han and Luke, who has returned, have a talk in the Grand Corridor. Again, we're in the Grand Corridor with the whole Chahala trees. Chahala. Yes. Klobuchik. No, nothing. No, I was just going to go Chahala. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, um, Han and Leia are trying to clear Mara, but it's super difficult. And then Luke sends a surprise from Leia, and so they end up walking fast. And this is where we have this weird 
cut to do that little rewind trick that we've been talking about again. Right? Again, so yeah. two times yeah. now two in times one book, now. but zero in the previous. Again, I feel this is confidence from him as a writer, but it should have ha- it should have happened at other times. Yeah. Yes, uh huh. I agree. I I yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, you, I like it, but it needed to be done. A yeah, you, you yeah. don't want a new like author trick and like be like, oh, no. book three of a trilogy. No. Game on. Yeah. And I actually don't think it's a times. new author trick. I think it's one that he no. had, but he, he wasn't confident use it, to yes. use it in the mm-hmm. other books. Yeah. yeah, is what I think. But I don't know. And admittedly, with going back real quick to how Luke and Hando, <laughs> Han and Luke are having problems with getting Mar out. I'm not surprised. I mean, when they think about it from the standpoint of the actual Republic, no, we do not want her let out. This is all this evidence that's mounted against her. Why would we? Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. But with them. Well, it's the heroes. Uh, true. Let's have some moments here. Uh, I do like the moment between Leia like and yeah. Mara here as they talk about the, you know, Mara's anger and being taken as a child. Yeah. Well, and you go back to what was known of Han here at this point, too, where, you know, Han had his, in the EU, Han had his, you know, his young his young time Han was enlisted with the empire Han did this. And so when you have these moments between Mara and Leia, I think it really establishes a lot of Mara, why Mara Jade is such a fun character. Cause you always want that. You always want retribution as human yeah, beings. Right, we yes. always want retribution. Yeah, I, I yeah. you will kill Luke. <laughs> yeah. But now, look, but Mara talks about how she was taken by the emperor as a child. Yeah. No. yeah. And, I was actually going to start bringing parts of this up here. Yeah. Look at how the Emperor raised her, though, as mm-hmm. this child. Of She has only these certain parts of the Force where her balance is completely off. She doesn't have all these different standards, if you will, that are met or mastered. Right. And there's some where she's pretty basic on them. And right. she's not exceeding on some moments, whereas you look at, like, the Jedi thought, it's a lot more rounded, minus cutting out a lot of that dark side stuff. True. And this is very good with how Zahn is set up how different people you we've talked about this a ton how different people you different portions of the force yes and now it shows how manipulative the empire was to not allow her to use her force abilities mm-hmm. in her way but really pushed her towards the way that he wanted her to go and really forced her to get her force abilities the way he wanted rather than what was her, her natural tendencies I like I like to throw out how remarkably normal uh, Mara is for having been raised as from a child by the emperor. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> raised as a child and then like trained as a dancer for him. Yeah, like, that too. Do it, palp. What the? <laughs> and going back to the mental state of some of these Jedi with force powers, not knowing fully what they are. I mean, look at Sabaoth being on his own place. He kind of went a little mad with it. Right, learning what it does. Imagine this kid being left alone. All of a sudden, I'm hearing everyone around me. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Yeah, he's probably going nuts and put into an asylum somewhere in that, <laughs> on that planet, <laughs> or he might be worshipped in a different race because of how his force abilities are and how they see him. True. Who knows? So some of these things could be nice jobs on. <laughs> nice. Wow. High praise. From High praise. Niels. <laughs> and that's gonna be around. <laughs> and that's it, dude. <laughs> but you're done. Uh, Mara lets slip that she knows where the Sparty cloning yep. cylinders are. And this leads to a big breakout. Uh, Leia's yes. like, hey, we got to get you out of here. Um, the hierarchy doesn't want to trust you. This, this part, like, I, I don't... 
I really like where the story goes. Yes. It turns into, like, a, a breakout. Let's get her out of here. Let's go destroy all the stuff. Crime case. Yeah. But, like, why do you believe her? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Jedi clearly believe other Jedi. Club. It's the cloning facility, and I helped. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. What? I like how he's breaking in for absolute drivel. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help him here. Mara has been there at one point, so she knows the cloning facility. Yes, maybe. And she, maybe. But no. she has that thought, and he's giving me the thumbs up, so that must have been what he meant. I'm but a, he, I'm with she kind of knows. Uh, is, there's a part of me that goes, okay, these guys, like Leia yeah, yeah. is in the hierarchy of the New Republic, and you got a woman who just the two chapters back was like, I'm going to kill your brother. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, I think I know where those Sparty yeah, cylinders are. I'm going to kill your are. brother. Okay, well, you're not going to leave. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to break you out. We're going to commit high treason. We're just going to get in a ship, and we're going to go over there, and we're going to take some explosives and blow the whole thing up. Sure. I surprisingly Oh, sure. Well, I mean, but, but will you get me out of here? Actually, no, no, that, that was one thing she never said. Yeah. And actually, that, yeah. that was, like, one of the uh, better parts of pieces of writing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that Mara just said, I know where they are. Yep. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take you there. And she never said, I will take you there if you let me go. Yeah. We're yeah. going to stop yeah. by. We're going to pick up this guy named Tannis. He's going to have a plan. <laughs> no, no, no. And that, that's exactly, yeah. exactly what you're saying. Yeah. She did not have a plan. No. She was just being genuine. Because yep. I think it, it comes down to, you know, her feelings for Luke. Right. It's She just, it, it has nothing to do with, the only thing that is, like, she's gaming the system with yep. is like the weird brainwashing that yep. she has. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I think we're throwing out the fact that both Luke and and Leia have the ability to sense people's mm-hmm. motivations right. being mm-hmm. Jedi. Yeah. Club. Well, and I, I think this is a really a turning point a lot of times for Mara Jade as a character and why she becomes a favorite character is, again, we're looking at redemption. Yeah. And we're looking at the fact that she is actually coming over and she is coming back into her true nature now after her concussion and after being in a coma for a couple months. Right. We're also She's looking cu- at, I think, a woman who is has been abused. We're looking exactly. at a, a woman who's exactly. coming out of like her child abuse. And everything else. I don't know if we're led to believe that there's been like sexual abuse, but it's weird that she's a dancer for so the you Emperor. Could make an assumption you could make an assumption stuff, yeah. of some sort, you know, if you wanted to go dark, that yeah, she is she is getting over kind of the brain yeah, the brainwashing. She's coming out of her sixties cult, man. She's leaving leaving Manson. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and I think that's exactly it, Bob, too, is as far as she's coming out of the abuse and what she what she knew was her life or what she was told was her life. Yeah. And now now she's coming into Can you hear that? Yeah. It's no big deal. Oh, Mara's sorry. fine. Don't worry about her. Um Dog Mara. But she's coming over what what she was raised under to mm-hmm. okay, she it's that nature versus nurture thing is right. maybe maybe a little bit of her nature is taking over now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they finally come to the decision. All right, Mara, we got to get her out, even though they might not fully trust her. Right. So we'll send the team A. You guys go to the cloning facility with Mara. B team will stay here, and we'll bring you Leia some other help to uh, guard the twins. Right. And who do they bring in? Uh, clearly, you need to bring in the Gungans. 
Bring them in the first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was really good. That was a really good dry delivery. Clearly, you do not bring in the Gungans in this Misa situation. Protecta, baby. <laughs> you know what? I'd have to you say. You have to bring in. Gungans would be awesome to watch your children because your children would be entertained nonstop. <laughs> That's true. Or molested. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Gungans don't molest. Misa wanna teach ya. Have long tongue. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. No, you bring it What's the next chapter? What is the next no, chapter? chapter? Oh, Hang on, no, no. First, the no Gree come to stay there. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Club's being angry. You bring in the underwater people. <laughs> come here, little boy. <laughs> oh, uh, chapter 12, we're moving on. <laughs> chapter 12. We're, on the, we're not Clob anymore, you're Clog. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 12, Card is coming into the Bilbringi system. It's going to play a part by the end of this book. Uh, they've been asked by Nazik to come witness his little hit on the Empire. <laughs> it's going to play a part. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. It's coming. The, hey, Bill Brady's getting The best set. plot devices. Don't worry about it. It's going to come back. But I don't know. No, no, I, no, I, I right. think you're going to be with me on this, Luke, is I'm feeling that there's a... This book more than other than the others are juggling a lot of weird little pieces mm. that don't seem to fit together as well as they should. Like, I get why all this is happening. We're yes. getting Mazik and Card going to Bill Bringy. We're going to set up some stuff, um, you know, that's going to show up yep. later. But it doesn't feel as natural. Everything is feeling a little bit more forced in this Almost book a little, here, Ooh, this puzzle piece doesn't forced. fit with this one. And yeah. This one doesn't fit here, but somehow they all create this mosaic of finishing. I feel like this one's more mosaic. Yes. Yeah. Than, than the other books are. Mm -hmm. Where I like these individual pieces, but they're, they're not flowing as well for me. Um, and you know, I think I subconsciously knew it as a as a kid because this was my least favorite read. I think okay. I've read that first one way more than I've ever read this last yeah, book. Okay, you know, and I think maybe subconsciously uh, that's why. I, I I don't know. Yeah, there are some some sticking points in this one. And isn't it? Aren't they also watching a star destroyer get blown up by a different smuggling group at this point? Yes, or am I it, mixing? It's Mazik that's doing it's it. Mazik's showing off how he's going to yeah, yeah. hit back this at my the Imperials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, I like it, though, that showing, okay, even though we're just smugglers, we can still take a Star Destroyer. Right. We have, which is interesting, looking at, okay, there's this third party that actually is really powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Just imagine if it was a three-way war. Right. What is, what is great, and also, I think, kind of weak in some points, because let's go through the rest of this book in some ways, yep. or it, it'll come up later, is that they see in the center the asteroids that are getting cloaked. Yeah. Right? And so they'll okay. get data reads on how many asteroids there are, that information will later be used for them to figure out how many asteroids are actually surrounding right. Coruscant. But it's like, well, but how do you know that these are the only asteroids that have been cloaked? Yeah. Like, only the ones that they'll bring you. How do you yeah. know they didn't have ten shipyards that they've been cloaking them at? Yeah, that's, that, that's really where, you know, um, you know, bringing, like, like, a space opera. Yeah. Because, and maybe it's just because, like, where we are as a society right now and like mm -hmm. what we know about science right now. Yeah. Like really it, it making a space opera, like it, it won't hold up. No. Eventually science will, yeah. will catch up and all yeah. of a sudden like your like weird things won't, won't always up. really work. And I think that's why it has to be like a science fiction kind of thing. Like you really have to like 
think about it. Right. Well, and I I'll bring it up later. But really, how do you though? How do you how do you predict the future? I don't like, know. What, what, I, and, and I'll bring it up too here. Uh, from later on in the book, there is definitely parts that I think are harder science fiction that he's bringing in, especially when we start getting to the cloaking shields and above Coruscant on the asteroids and everything like that. But I agree with you. Once you start bringing in hard science, it can sometimes date itself. I don't know that the science here is necessarily bad so much as the scope is off. You know, you you got 50 asteroids being cloaked and you don't know how many are, you know, the scope is off for a space opera. Mm. God. Well, and I think that's something that up until this point that Zahn has done so well about giving us just a nudge of science within yes. the science fiction and leaving a lot to just vague, okay, it's science fiction. Right. And so at this point, when we get to these asteroids, it, it, it does almost become a little too much. Almost becomes hard science fiction in the right. Star Wars universe. I like the fact that I, I think what he's trying to do is show, again, the tactical machinations of Thrawn, that he can bring an entire, uh, through his, you know, wiliness, he can bring an entire uh planet to its knees with just 50 asteroids that are cloaked. Because they're not sure how much. Because they don't know where they are. and like, So I like that aspect of it, but at the same time it... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, for a climax of a space opera, it's a, it's a little different. I don't know. I, I like it and I don't like it all at the same time. Mm, I don't yeah, know how I, I feel. Well, and looking at the asteroids coming in, mm-hmm. is this supposed to be a parallel here too to... Joris throwing rocks at the planes from oh, the planet. Interesting. Well, Joris has connected everything during this. Yeah. Or a little later it shows he's... What is, who does he take over during this part? He starts going through the mines. He goes through the mines of the techs and the engineers. Yeah, yeah. So he can form a picture of what the attack on Coruscant will be. So then he's sitting there going, okay, I threw rocks earlier. Maybe rock, bigger rocks. More <laughs> this time. A whole planet full of rocks. <laughs> Or even just showing how, you know, Thrawn can throw rocks, too. Or we can have these plans going through through here where it all all just comes back to basics. It all just comes back to throwing rocks at your enemies like the cavemen. Yeah, right. right. Bigger rock. But this is the first time I think Thrawn legitimately gets scared. Or at least I would be. I mean, he's on the bridge and... Uh, Sabayoth literally makes all of his men stand up all stiff and zombie-like, and he's reading all their minds and directing them and stuff. It's like, I think Thrawn finally actually has a glimpse like, hey, you you do not have control. No. I, I don't have total control here. I think, I, yes, during this, he's got yeah. all the zombies almost walking around. I still think Thrawn, at all times, has his plan on how to kill Sabayoth with him. Yes. Even though he never actually goes through with the plan, I think he always has something prepped and ready, I, I like no matter where it, he's at. I like to think of it more as he was outsmarted, just because I want him to be outsmarted. Right, right. And we, I mean, you know, we do eventually get it at the end of the book. Right. But, yeah. So why but. does he need Sabaoth at this point anymore? Now he's got Coruscant on its knees, does he need to still fake the simultaneous shoot, shoot. through the planet? Um, protective shield because at this point if he was mentally controlling all my men I'd be putting him down yeah true well and I think this is partly too where 
you kind of have Thrawn as the the animal trainer or the dog trainer or the yeah. um, dinosaur trainer, whatever it happens to be. As okay, I put these things in motion. I think I have control here. So Mr. And then all of a sudden, oh my god, the pit bull that I've been training just turned on me. Yeah. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to. <laughs> We've engineered them that way. Jorah Saboeth. He's been engineered. Welcome that to Jorah Saboeth Park. <laughs> Everyone must wear robes that only go just below their balls. <laughs> like half an inch. Half an inch. Everyone, everyone in Jorah Saboeth Park is wearing the Rocky from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my god. Little shorty shorts. Oh Mara's god. just going around. He left us. He left us. <laughs> Okay. Uh, 13. <laughs> Chapter uh, lucky 13. <laughs> Moving on! All right. Chapter Let's 13. Moving right along. <laughs> Put loose and fancy free. Chapter 13. The Nogri sneak into the... Sorry. Sneak into guard Leia. Um, hands miffed when he's just referred to as the consort of the I Lady laughed. Vader. I this is a, a perfect big... takedown for him, though, of he's always seen himself as the big guy, and then, uh, uh, you're just the consort. Yeah, what? Wait, yeah what? I, uh, <laughs> I'm General Solo, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you okay, Leia? Yeah. Okay. Are you just S- sleeping with her? Uh, oh. <laughs> again, again, for me, when I was, uh, you know, at this point, 13, reading this book, the Nogri were awesome, um, and when... Y- when you first learn about by book two, you know they're going to be good, and in that childlike way, you like the Nogri are honorable. They are they are going to always have our heroes' backs. Looking at it as a thirty-something with kids, <laughs> you're going like, okay, we have just barely started having negotiations with an, a race of assassins. Yeah, let's bring them in to watch our children. <laughs> seems good. Seems, seems good. Seems okay. Hey. Point it to Red Rising. Who would you trust with your kid? <laughs> Several or Daryl? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go Several. I'm going to go Several. See? The crazy assassin midget? I'm going to go Several. Club, what do you got on this? Yeah, hard pass. What do you got on this club? Um, have you w- never watched, well, oh, God, what was it? The the Pacifier, the Vin Diesel nanny movie? No, uh, no I, I have not. not. Seen that. No, no. I, you bring, I would no, never you bring the assassin really to your nanny. I that movie. <laughs> But why don't you, you bring the assassin to be your nanny because then they're protected as long as you know they're loyal. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose. But I would still be, I don't know, I'd be questioning this loyalty. I mean, half of these guys are still working for the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, but it's, again, I think you take it with a grain of salt. In a lot of ways, you can't really get bogged in the weeds. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in a space <laughs> opera. So, um, well, Yeah. You know, we, we we all have that one uncle that everybody that one uncle who was probably military or former military that we all go Well, we know he's gonna protect the kids. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Um from here on stuff is really gonna start feeling like Return of the Jedi to me. Like they're all gonna board yeah. their shuttle and they're gonna head for the planet where the base is that they gotta set the bomb in. The forest planet. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna meet the the Ewoks, only there's two Take of two. them. <laughs> yeah, Ewoks times wait, two. Wait, wait, I got it. It's on. How do I up the Ewok quota? <laughs> what if there's two types? <laughs> yeah. How do I make that... How do I make that final battle between Luke and the Emperor and stuff even better? Clone Luke. <laughs> like, everything seems... I don't know, like, if he's out of ideas or what's going on here. I What's don't know. going on? <laughs> we don't question the video. But anyway, so we leave. Are you in the bathroom, Clavichek? 
All I see is tile. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> or he's in the kitchen again. Yeah. But, but yeah, I really think it seemed a lot of okay. We're back to Return of the Jedi again, and moving yes. along. And then we get back to Pelion a bit with yeah. Tron, which is I feel bad for Pelion quite a bit. Yes, he's okay. Thrawn's manipulating him. Sabiroth is just straight up mind controlling him at times. I mean. What's going on with that poor guy? <laughs> yeah, I know. And he's, he's like, he's not he's even the best. Nervous. He's not even the best commander that they had. He's just the last one who survived. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has a rough time. And I kind of like it because Pelion's kind of yeah. standing on the bridge alone. Yeah. Sabiath walks in. He's like, oh crap! How far away from one of those Salamari am I? Yeah. Would it look weird if, if I, I just jumped moved twenty feet? I would this be way. jumping for that Salamari. I would like, stay I, with it. I wouldn't care. I like my own. <laughs> Can I have my own Salamari, please? Yeah. Please. At all times, whenever Sabiath is on a ship, I want one. Please. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Hope. So Thrawn comes in, uh, much to Pelion's relief. And I do feel at this point, I, I have that Thrawn is like a hostage negotiator, and that this must have been what it was like to try to talk down Jim Jones. <laughs> well, I mean, that didn't work. No, <laughs> no, exactly. Oh. Okay, Jim. Okay, uh, I, I know you have the... Mr. Jones. The minds um, and hearts of a lot of my men right now. <laughs> yes, Club. I feel this is more David Koresh than it is Jim Jones. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and a little bit, yeah. I was. Yeah. He's going to go to his compound and uh, die there. Um, just like Jim Jones. Yeah. Compounds, hey. That's true. But will he start it on fire? Or will it? Or will be? some mystery person shoot him in the head? Sabiath was killed by the ATF. Just <laughs> the, ATF. <laughs> the ATF took down Sabiath. Oh my yeah. god! And then chapter fourteen. Yes. The battle takes place. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Leia awakens from a nightmare to the alarms of the battle alert. Coruscant is under attack. Chaos in the war room. Leia stumbles into Ghent. He sliced an entry code. Of course uh, he slays it. Which is it. awesome. That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. Leia grabs Gent and just takes him with. I like he just, he just kind of shows up sometimes, you know. Mm, yeah. um, mm. they, they put him on slicing the Imperial battle codes. Um, we get kind of thrown into a lot of commanders here. Dreisen is in charge. Uh, he's not very good against Thrawn, so what yeah. they really need is Garm. Garm needs to step up. Because he's the perfect foil. I don't Thrawn. like this, that Garm is just going to, in the middle of a battle, even sit there and wait till he actually gets handed the reins Well, that's the other Mon thing, Mothma. too, because, Garm, you have a chance of dying during this. Why yes. wouldn't you take your fate in your own hands? I, I'm agreeing with you. Yes. He should. I agree. And he's gone, nope, you are screwing this up. Yep. We are going to die. I'm... I'm taking over. I feel like you could just slightly adjust the power here yeah. where Garm is going like, I'm going to swallow my pr pride first. I will approach Mon Mothma on my own terms and, mm -hmm. and ask her, is it all right if I... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't like that he was sitting back and waiting to be asked. It didn't seem like his character. Yeah, what do you think about this club? Yeah. I, I will actually argue this, that I believe this felt like Garm's character because he has been set up as being the military guy. True, and he has been—he has been set up as being the okay. I have to wait for orders. I have to wait for orders. I have to wait for orders. And he—he kind of could be that guy in another situation that got his entire platoon killed because he didn't improvise and was just waiting for orders. Well, in but, all honesty, he's been set up as that character. You are right, Club. Where, I mean, the entire second book, he's been sitting there, hold up. Prepare 
preparing for the end times, mm. you know, uh, amassing an army and kind of just whining about Mon Mothma the whole time. And, with and that, plotting about how if she ever gains too much power, he'll take her down. And the other part, yes, he's been set up as that military guy who's going to sit there and wait for commands. But right now, he's not part of the Republic. No, he's he still is not. his own independent party. True. So I could have seen him sending out his own forces that are around Coruscant going, okay, now you guys, it's your turn. Try to fix the thing. We'll still ch- talk with each other because we're all in the same... I see him there. But we're all in the same command room. We can negotiate two different sides so it's not just us trying to do one thing at a time. Right. Maybe give him a better chance. So I feel like Garm should have done something. Still. I agree. I agree. Clap. But he's still scorned, too, and you got to remember that is it's... Um, not only is he the military guy to wait for orders, he's still scorned at this point. So, see, well, I feel I'm going to no, no, no. You need to ask me. I don't care if I'm going to die. You need to ask me because you dumped me at one. See, point. No, on the same side, I'm waiting for the moment of, OK, your side is really screwing up. So I'm just going to show you and yeah. I'm going to beat you that way. No, you I'm going to show it, my part. And then once I beat you that way. I'm going to go to the other side of the planet, and I'm going to do my own thing here. But I think scorned works no, you when know it's what? like it, two it, lovers. It's, it's winter formal, and the girl's supposed to ask the boy out. I'm not going <laughs> to ask you to the dance right now, okay? <laughs> but scorned works when it's, like, petty. Yeah. But yes, when it's, yes. like, this scorned, is life and death. has to be petty. It has to be petty, but, like, when the fate of an entire world rests in the balance, you don't exactly, like, no, no. I'm going to sit down here until she asks me. Mm, yeah. Like, I feel it's, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. And, but anyway, Thrawn's master plan here is, oh, so yes, mad, crazy man pointing at yourself on a video screen. What do you want? Bob, said by a woman, said, said by a woman, said by a man who who married his second sweetheart out of high school. Who's He's that? What? Scorned. You're not going to, you're, you're going to make her oh. do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope that the aliens uh, never, never put asteroids around the Earth and Clob has to step up. <laughs> <laughs> so now his ex-wife is controlling everything. I, I am not going to take the reins of this battle until my ex-wife comes down here <laughs> and. Asks me to do it, and she has to ask nicely, and she needs to say, "God, please," <laughs> and, and trust you. <laughs> but I really do like the whole plan of okay. Now there's these invisible asteroids around. Who knows how many of them are? We could lose ships as they try to go up, and they we'd lose more of our forces. Right. Well, I, again, I guess I'm going to backtrack on what I'd said. Yeah. A lot of the setup here is really cool. You got these Golan two battle stations, which I think are really cool. What I like is when Thrawn comes in, uh, the um, what is he shooting off? Is it projectors or whatever that are sh- launching out the asteroids? Mm-hmm. And he's dry firing a bunch of them, right? He's only got 50 some asteroids. I hear that's bad for the guns. <laughs> and he just keeps dry firing them till they almost overheat. They yeah. talk about them almost overheating and stuff like that. But he's doing it all as a ruse so that even though there's only 50 some asteroids, they think there's 287 or something like that. Uh, asteroids circling. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think is cool. I like this. And then afterwards, okay. They find, okay, uh, Mara's gone. What? Right. So was this a whole, and I'm seeing it as, was this just a plan to get Mara out from the Empire, and that was their whole thing, so now we got to keep that secret. But yeah. then Ghent, yeah, Ghent, he, he does his one thing, but he does it very well. He does, yeah. <laughs> I like Ghent. Yeah, Ghent is good, and he ends up finding, I know where Del- Delta Source is. I've got the code. Right. 
We're not going to tell anyone. Okay, that code. makes sense. Right. I've got the code. I have the code. Yes. What are we going to do with the code? But not tell anyone. <laughs> and I don't want to labor this point, but again, it is interesting how different it is an experience reading a book as a child. Because yes. your mind does amazing things of filling in gaps. Because I remember loving Ghent and thinking that he was in these books a lot and He's doing really a ton of things. He is barely in this book. But yeah, my right. 13-year-old mind created all kinds of stuff Ghent was doing. You know, like, I, I do feel that what you have read when you are young is a different thing from anything else you'll ever read in your life. You know, mm-hmm. it, your weird child mind fills in everything. You know, so again, sorry, Dragonlance listeners. <laughs> it's everything I've said about it. <laughs> Club. Well, and Bob, you are exactly correct in that. Is a lot of times you will fill in the blanks the first time you read something, right? Or if it's something that you un- like this, where you you understand a lot of things that go on in the extended universe, you'll just automatically jump to different things. But I agree with you completely. Fourteen, thirteen-year-old me reading this. I, I thought Gent was in this a lot more, too. Well, that's the end of uh, Chapter 14, and I think we're just going to we're gonna put a lid on it there. Good place to stop the Siege of Coruscant. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. she's going to get out. She's going to get out with all those rocks from those all those rocks. <laughs> what a climax. <laughs> 20 well, potatoes are circling a planet. Let's pull the plug. Well, it's in the middle of the book. It's not a climax. Okay. <laughs> well, there should be a little bit of a climax in the middle. Club. Yes, Claude. There is a re- there is a reason why I'm sitting here right now, mm. across the universe from the rest of the studio, the internet with with my Mara Jade. Is Mara Jade pretty much can escape from anything? Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a good thing she's already out before the siege took place. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, uh, final thoughts at the midpoint. Where are we sitting at? Uh, what what are we thinking, Neil? Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> taking the earpiece out right now, just because I don't want to sit there and talk as slow as I have been. This one, the beginning, I was semi okay with. There's yep. some good moments that come in. Like I said, that first chapter was a great first chapter. I really wish it had been the second book to make that one better for mm-hmm. me. Yep. But now realizing that taking that out would decrease what I'm thinking about this one right now. So we're in a weird place because there's so many pieces going on and how is he going to put this final puzzle together? And right. I've already alluded to some of the big concerns that I have already Right. that I'm really going to have and we're going to talk about in the next episode and hopefully some readers will even say some stuff before we even record that episode so we can yep. get some other thoughts on it. Yeah, I'll try but to put stuff on the Facebook. We'll see where we're at. Club, uh, what about you across the universe? Hey, kids. No, it's not the final episode yet. You don't have to do that yet. Still Uncle Club coming to you across the universe. Um, it's actually been very interesting for me to listen to um, the other members of the panel's thoughts about this episode as I sit next to my own Mara Jade. <laughs> and again, it's Zahn, it's Timothy Zahn. I I hold these books in my heart. Mm-hmm. I hold these books in my in my soul from when I was young and from when they first came out and I was, you know, able to get more Star Wars. Right. Uh, so far this this front half of the book Zon writes good action scenes. Yeah. The whole the whole birthing scene and a lot yeah. of the, you know, baby time scenes 
as a dude written by a reading something written by a dude, I'm obviously missing something, even though I have even though I have children of my own, even though I have a child of my own. Um, and I can understand and I can relate to a lot of things going on. I do feel that a lot of that was writ- was a guy's perspective trying to figure out what's going on through a woman's head and we'll, oh, we will yeah. never as men we will as men we will never actually get it what it's like yeah. to carry a child in our own body. Yeah. Um, but as a father, I do there are, you know, some of the I'm, I'm, I'm thinking right now of it, it is the breastfeeding scene, but it's Han where he he's putting it, he's putting his pinky in his son's hand and his son squeezes his hand and he talks about, you know, oh, he's going to be strong. And I remember doing that as a father. And right. so there are points in there that are very good. Zahn's action scenes here are very good. I think he writes Mara Jean's Mara, Mara Jean. Mara Jade's conflict. Mara Jean. This is what this is what happens lover. when I don't have to drive home from the studio. <laughs> Her name was Mara Jean. <laughs> she caused the scene. Yes, Club. Oh, I'm sorry. I, Mara I, Jean I, is not Luke's lover. <laughs> sorry. She's just a hand that thinks that she needs to kill me. <laughs> 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 but anyway. being said that I don't I, I I think there's a little bit lacking in the the Leia scenes. I think he writes Mara Jade's conflict very well. Yeah. Mm. And I think that really comes across. And so again, I'm still in. This is at oh, least yeah. my sixth, seventh time rereading this series. Yeah. And so I really like how he writes Mara Jade's conflict and especially where we come to with that by the end where I know we're going by the end of the book right right and so I'm still in I still enjoy I still enjoy a majority of Hauzan's of Hauzan writes hmm. Luke what are your thoughts <gasps> hold it in <laughs> Bob breathe it in hold it <laughs> Neil Clob I choose to hold my action until the next podcast. Ooh, interesting. I like Bob. it. Ooh, I like it. Um, no, I, I don't want to start a conversation that we shouldn't yeah, have. Yeah, right. I, I hear you. Um, I'm with Klavicek. Um Going back to these books, even at this point, this one is the one that's the most... Uh, again, what Klavicek said is completely true that... Um, these books I've read a million times and I hold very near and dear. So you fans out there, I am one of you. I would hold these up as my favorite Star Wars books of all time. You know, these would be the ones I would take to a deserted island, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but once you are on a podcast where your job is to, or at least our self-described job is to look at a book and pick nits and everything, there's more nits here to be picked than I think in the previous two books. And... um this book is the one that starts ratcheting up. Unlike you, Luke, I will kind of preview. I, I think it actually starts getting almost out of control by the end of this book. Things really start to spin out of left field by the end of this book. It really ratchets by the end. And I'll have a lot more to say um, by that end one. But I still love them, right? Like, I still love them. But I can I, now going back at 38, um, I can see... 
I can see how if I'd ingested tons of Star Wars up to this point and I was going back to read these books and be like, so what were they reading back in the 90s? I don't know if these would hold up as much. You know, again, when you're reading this in the midst of a desert at 13 years old and there's no Star Wars, totally different, you know. Um, but I still love these books uh, more than any other Star Wars stuff that I've read. So um, I'm just picking nits because that's what we do on this show. That is accurate. Bob? <laughs> truth, truth, truth. So that is my thoughts. I mean, I'm going to reserve my kind of overall thoughts, kind of like you, Luke, until mm -hmm. the end of next episode. But hey. Bob? Yes, Club. Again. Uh, you bring up a very good point of this was this was the oasis in the middle of the Star Wars desert. There was nothing, yeah. Unless you were a and West End Games player and you were continuing it yourself over your own tabletop. This, this was all there was. And I think people, and I do think that's part of the danger, is people nowadays who are fans of our age club, um, this is what entered their fandom and their soul this was their continuation and we personalized it and we were given misinformation in some ways by lucasfilm this was billed as the official continuation of the saga when it came out and so i think all of us of a certain generation ingested this thinking this is the continuation even when lucas did his prequels we're like well this is still the continuation this this is how it all went down and so i think that's why when the new movies have come out there's this old guard of fans that are now holding the new movies up against what we all had taken internally as being our true continuation and it's it's a tough thing you know yeah club and i will i will still argue you know, and I think we've all agreed on this, except for Luke. Uh, but I will still argue my multiverse theory. Oh, for sure. I will, too. Is, yes, the, the, I can enjoy the new Thanks, movies. Man. I can enjoy parts of the new movies. Yeah. No no one can, as weird and as, as weird and crappy as parts of Last Jedi was, nobody can argue that that throne room scene with Ray and Ben fight and Ben fighting the Imperial Guards with lightsabers wasn't freaking cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome, super awesome. Yeah, and so, but but you, again, you have to take it's it's a fictional universe. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, just almost like you all, take, almost all like universes that exist out there now, whether it be Star Trek or anything else. I mean, these are just franchises. They're corporately owned. There's going to be multiple writers, and there is no. I feel there's no such thing as canon anymore. Nobody's trying to maintain canon except for Marvel, who has done a fantastic job. Canon is not mm -hmm. a, a thing. I don't think anymore. You know, well, and I, I, I think still as as I'm explaining to my son as he grows older, my my almost 12 year old son right now, who is infatuated in the MCU and he's infatuated in the Star Wars universe. But what he knows is the movies at this point with both of those. Yeah, he hasn't, you know, and so explaining the difference between, you know, again, both of the MCU and. Um, with the Star Wars universe, the difference between the books and the comics and taking those and those different universes and what they're doing, um, I think is it, it is kind of an acquired nerd skill. <laughs> and you can't. It is. It, it is. I agree. So, you can't be so held up that, again, your version is the only version. No, no. Because hey. just like, you know, just like just like any story. 
and I'm going to be super freaking pretentious here. And I apologize to, you know, some people around the table. Yeah. Again, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle right now of going through my, my yearly reading of Gad, of the great Gadsby with a bunch of students and a bunch of students are really getting it and are really on page with me. And a bunch of students are just like, what WTF, what the hell is this? Yeah, and I think that that both tra- that that transposes into our nerddom, and that transposes into Star Wars and into the Zon books too. Is some people this is going to be their thing, and some people are just going to look at it and go, "I have no clue what the hell is going on." Yeah, right. I have my mm. final thought here. What's that about canon? Oh yeah, talk about canon, man. There's one thing with canon that we have to remember. Yeah, sure, you can have your own personal multiverse canon, which just whole Marvel Comics theory, whatever. DC Comics theory, whatever. But now, there's going to be a problem when you have an author who tries to mess with the canon too much. Because Mm -hmm. when you start getting too many things, then you're going back on canon you've established. Because then you get situations like J.K. Rowling making it so that wizards vanish their poop magically before they decide to adopt muggle plumbing. Yeah. That sounds like the dumbest thing that becomes a moment. Bob, I'm not even listening to you. I already turned you off from my headset. <laughs> no, but you know, I but think this is what happens when sometimes you want to mess too much with certain things. Yeah. Some things don't need to be changed in canon. Well, here's the thing and that I think. Here's the thing that I think happens is that we are doing something in this era now that has never been done. We are now storytellers, right? We have a group of storytellers that stories don't go on this long, right? In all history, people developed myths and mm-hmm. monomyths and things, but they ended, right? When King Arthur was done, King Arthur was done. There wasn't another 50 books about King Arthur and the rest of his adventures to ruin everything and for things to have to go back and be like, hey, let's reboot the King Arthur mythos. I mean, I did You know what, happen. you guys, you know what this sounds like? <laughs> what does this Club, sound like? I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off. You know what this sounds like? This sounds like a really good idea for another episode. <laughs> ah, Not so good. to spoil anything, yeah. but this sounds like a good idea for another episode. Okay, another episode. No. Okay, and okay. At that p- I, I, that. I will concur with you on that, Luke. <laughs> on that, we will end this episode. All episode right. 29, The Last Command, part one. Hey, make sure you go to our Facebook page, like us, and please, if you want the books, private message us. The password that you would have had to have heard earlier in the episode. No skipping to the end to hear the password. Ooh, nice. (laughs) Hey, hey, I tell you what, I have pre-ordered some drinks for you guys in the tavern. Should be coming to the table with them in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, 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 I see her. Thanks, Glob. We'll see everybody later. Love you, buddy. You're welcome. Take those down, brothers. We will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dungeons & Dweebs. There's even more adventuring to be had at our website, DungeonsAndDweebs.com. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at DungeonsAndDweebsPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find Dungeons & Dweebs on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Find all those links at DungeonsAndDweebs.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. The music for Dungeons & Dweebs is Fatal Fight by Royalty Free Kings and can be found at their website, RoyaltyFreeKings.com. 
Dungeons and Dweebs is a Tim Gilbert Media Production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. And no part of the show can be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Tim Gilbert Media. Penis. <laughs> Just in time for me to record, thank you. Good lord. You're welcome. You know, actually, with my computer like this, it's like you're in the, the third chair. Yeah, it's like you're there, only standing and doing dishes. I, Are we I had to make more rice. You got a what? Oh, I got to make rice. more rice. Rice. Oh, Are you going to be cooking while we're doing this? Because uh, I don't want ambient rice noises. It's okay, we'll talk over it. <laughs> Loud. And fast. We don't have to. Okay. Four. Three. I don't need a count. Two. Okay. One. Action.